0: Hair shake. We are live with a completely unnecessary podcast. A new one for uh, Wednesday, March 5th, 2014. Alongside Irritable Ian Ferguson. <laughs> I haven't used that one in a while. No, that's... My, my name's Pat Contry. <laughs> really reaching back for that one. <laughs> that's like a two year old one. Yeah. At least that's going. My name's Pat Contry in his shirt. I'm hot as hell. That's why I'm going sleeveless. Mm-hmm. Not just showing off the guns. No, he's just showing off the I guns. Just the guns. <laughs> How are you doing, Ian?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Life has been amusing. I, uh, got my pin maker finally this week. <laughs> wow, might, that's big news. Might be ordering a drum machine this week. You would be surprised how much a pin maker costs. How much does a pin maker cost?
0: It's like, it's like a bread maker. Like 80 bucks. More than 80 bucks? What are, we, what are you talking? About More, 60? 250? What is this, professional
1: level? Yeah, pro level. These pro are, level? These, these things, if you just buy the pin maker, if you buy a good quality one, you're looking at 200 to 250. And then that's without parts or a punch.
0: This is literally like a professional level one. Is this the
1: one Justin showed you? No. No, the one Justin showed me... It was very cool because it taught me the concepts of it. But what he had was, admittedly, uh, from him was just an entry level, one that uses most more physical power to create the button. Okay. Which this is more mechanical, so the amount of force applied every time is exact, so that you it's never like get a lever basically? Yeah, you never get a misfired button. I'm misfired, but you don't want that. To happen. No, no, you don't. So, what, what sort of button ideas do you have lined up? Right? I, I would like to do an entire button set based on Super <laughs> Hang On. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be a big seller. It doesn't need to
0: sell. I <laughs> just want to do a button set on Super, Super Hang-On. Hang on. Yeah. That's coming up in video game years, right?
1: Yeah, it Re- is. 84? Uh, That would be Hang-On. Hang- just regular Hang-On. Regular Hang-On? Super yeah. Hang-On was like uh, 87 and 86. Uh, Super Hang-On is like 85, 86, yeah. So that'll be fun. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, anyways, whatever. I'm excited about having a button maker. <laughs> hey, I love buttons. Hey, everyone needs a hobby. That's what I say. I have too many freaking hobbies. Um... I don't know. I felt like there's other things to say. I got the WWE Network. We'll be talking about that plenty later. What I'm else sure. will we be talking about, Ian? Let's have the rundown of the show. Uh, we'll, we'll 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 touch on Harold Ramus. We will uh, touch on uh, the video game, uh, the the Nintendo Sega
0: console wars, wars, wars movie. It's been announced. Um, Go on, Ian, you can do it. We'll touch on how much I love all of you. This is why I say about having a prep sheet and/or laptop. We'll also be talking about the WWE Network. I said that. Did you really? Yes! How about CM Punk uh, not being at Raw and WrestleMania 30 implications Mm -hmm. as well? Whatever. Did you watch the Oscars at all? No, I don't watch movies in the Oscars. I I could not give a darn less about a show than the Oscars. 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron, who's an excellent director, did Children of Men, uh, won Best Director for um, Gravity. Um, Yeah, uh, I haven't seen most of them. I I saw um, uh, American Hustle, which was excellent. That got nominated and didn't really didn't really win uh, any awards. I don't think American Hustle, uh, but it was it was it was excellent. Is that the story about Buff Bagwell being a gigolo? Is that, no, that, that is, is, is not that. that is <laughs> that the
1: movie version? No, <laughs> American
0: Hustle is kind of based on the true story about how they had con men uh, entrap uh, politicians in, in New Jersey oh. in the late seventies, okay, uh, early eighties. They they got like f- like four uh, congressmen and like a senator for taking bribes. And so, they it was basically based on the true story, but they changed all the names around, and it, it was absolutely excellent. Christian Bale was great. Amy Adams was great. Bradley Cooper was great in it. And Jerry Renner as the mayor that was kind of sleazy, but you felt sorry because he actually was trying to help his town and just do politics. He was in it, too, and he was great. Um, so... Let's talk about while we're talking about movies. uh, Harold Ramis uh, passed away at 69 years old. Who was a fantastic. I I mean, he was a great actor in in Ghostbusters and Stripes. But I'm not even looking at that. I'm looking at his his uh, directing and and writing abilities. Sure. He came out of uh, I think National Lampoon when he was in college. And then uh, he was asked to write um, National Lampoon's Animal House. He was asked to be one of the writers for that, uh, which is one of the regarded as one of the best comedies of all time. Uh, And then he. uh, Wrote and directed uh, *Caddyshack*, which is regarded as the other one of the best comedies of all time. So, which
1: I've never seen all the way through. Which is insane. I mean, I've seen, I've seen it all, just not in chronological order. Well, you you know what *Caddyshack* is. Yes, right? yes.
0: I mean, I know. I mean, I know, I know. I know everything about the movie. I've just never seen it. I'm gonna bring him As ZDDB right now. What, what what makes these comedies so great is that they're they're not the characters are they're not dirtbags. But they're like lovable losers in all of them. They're Uh,
1: they're everyman. I think if you, I mean, just to use the Ghostbusters example, which I can at least pull off of um, having seen that movie a million times, uh, you can relate to all those characters. When I was a kid, no one wanted to be Egon. I always when you were playing when you were playing Ghostbusters, I always volunteered to be Egon. I think that's how I got a lot of my friends when I was a kid. Was when you're (laughs) playing Ghostbusters on the schoolyard, no one wanted to be Egon. I always wanted to be Egon, Um, and. You know, I, I it's not. I don't want to upset people, but because I'm not a movie person, I unfortunately don't know a lot about him. But I do know that I thought he was fantastic as Egon. I did think he was fantastic in Stripes. I loved that and movie. He did write
0: Ghostbusters. Yep. as well. So he wrote uh, Back
1: to School. I oh okay, yeah. I love Back to School. Well, so there you go. The the, the the comedies he writes, they're not. How they're, do I say this without sounding stupid? They're. They come across very naturally. There's not yes. a whole lot of setup followed by immediate punchline. Yes. The it's... comedy,
0: the comedy comes from how the characters are written and their personalities. Right, the natural interaction. It's not just like you said. It's not set up joke, set up joke. Mm-hmm. It's just the the meshing of these strange personalities. I wish you seen. I wish you saw Caddyshack because Rodney Dangerfield's character. Who's like this wealthy, um, you know, entrepreneur? He does land business sort of deals, and he's just a boisterous ass. Uh, oh no, I know, I know the character. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Versus the judge, who's just this uptight hoity-toity, and just the two of them can't be any different. And they and they basically can't stand each other for it, and, and that's where the interaction comes from. Not just uh, just jokes and pratfalls. It's them just even trying to communicate with each other, and it just doesn't work.
1: Right, creating amazing characters. Almost writes the story. It's, it's I don't want to
0: say it's like it's not ad lib, but it's
1: uh, it just comes about more naturally. Everything yeah. just happens. Yeah. So,
0: Ted Knight as Judge uh, Judge Smales, which is one of my favorite uh comedic, comedic roles ever. Ted Knight was brilliant too, but that's another story. So
1: I don't know. It has not been a good year for losing um, talented people in film. And sixty nine. I mean,
0: was there any? Cause of death? Did they Did they say? Oh, uh, did it come out why he died? I think it was. It could have been probably a complication from something. Um, but I don't remember. Re- I mean, I, I read up on it. I just don't remember reading why. Going on his Wikipedia real quick. I didn't want to focus on how he died, but it was. It was. It wasn't like ODing. <laughs> I right. know that autoimmune disease. Okay. This uh, vasculitis. So there you go. Complications from vasculitis. So just got up there, and then that can happen sometimes. You know, you take for granted how old he was. I mean, Bill Murray must be 65, 66 and right. at, the, at the same time. I mean, I mean, 30 years ago, this year was Ghostbusters. So. All right.
1: I mean, these guys, they have these iconic roles, and you think back to those iconic roles, and, you know, you always picture well, Harold Ramis is, Well, Egon. Yeah, you know, you picture him as always... Yeah, or, or, yeah.
0: or his great character in Stripes. Stri- right. Stripes, which, which he also, I believe, uh, wrote that as well. I mean, these are, I, I, these I are some of the biggest comedies of the 80s. Yeah. And he's attached to, like... Well, if you count Animal House, I was 78. These are like five of the biggest comedies in the, like a 12-year period. That's an, that's an insane amount of work. And even Back to School, which is not... It, it, I I still like the film. It doesn't stand up to these. That's still a good film, though. <laughs> that might be my favorite then, of his then, now, then, knowing that he wrote that. And then Groundhog Day is almost like a modern day. Or last 20 years like a classic, and he wrote that. I mean, it's just ridiculous, the amount of work. It's unfortunate he sort of had a falling out with uh, Bill Murray the past, I think it was like 10, 12 years they stopped talking for whatever real reason. That's one of the reasons why they never did Ghostbusters 3. I but, did not know that. Yeah. Uh, they just, for some reason, just never got along. <laughs> like a certain period of time, which is funny because they were inseparable, you know, in, in, in basically, you know, three movies together. Right. You know, you can't imagine one without the other playing off each other so well. No. And and they, and they were both funny. They, they weren't even, like, Ramos wasn't even the straight right, man. Right, so. it wasn't a straight man. Yeah. He, was... would, he would fire off his own jokes, too, in his own more, uh, I guess, more wry way than Murray being a little o- more over the top. And sensational in his sort of, you know, gestures or delivery. He was, had rain with his firing. Yeah, you know, it was back funny man dry. setting up funny man. Yeah. It
1: was dry humor setting up, you know, more
0: more silly humor. Yeah. Uh, what else did he do here? Uh, I'm just look, I'm just looking at what he wrote. I'll go about what what he, what he also directed because uh, analyze this. Some people love that movie. He wrote that one. The first, they, did, they did what two or three of those. The first one is, regardless, uh, critically acclaimed at least. And then, he let's go over his uh, directing a little bit. Directed some Office episodes, TV series. Caddyshack he directed. He directed National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, that's right, the whole Vacation series. Uh, he directed Groundhog Day. Uh, he directed Analyze This and Analyze That. We'll forgive him for that. <laughs> Did he do Christmas? Uh, Lampoon Christmas Vacation? Didn't direct those, just the first one. Which uh, the first okay. one's the, the best anyway. But sure. Christmas isn't bad either, though. Um, so yeah, Harold Ramis, 69 years old I guess there, there goes Ghostbusters 3 They were trying to do it for like the last 10 years Kind of like Indiana Jones No, didn't you see? Were they actually going to finally go through with no, it? No, Sony took that as a really a real opportune time To just make sure
1: everyone knew that Don't worry you guys, we're still doing Ghostbusters Really? 3.
0: After he just died? Yep. Oh God. Like,
1: like the day he died or the day after Someone at Sony felt like that was the best time To come out and be like,
0: Ghostbusters 3 is still on Well that's disgusting Yeah, <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah know? that's gross They're you know, probably going to get a bunch of 20-somethings <laughs> You know to do it, and then they'll have they'll have Dan Aykroyd cameo. So Bill Murray will say "fuck you," like he should, you know. Big steaming pile of crap all over my. <laughs> then Ernie room. Hudson needs a paycheck; he'll show up, <laughs> you know. So I mean, so Harold Ramis, one of the best comedic minds uh, we've had, at least in film. Rest in peace, good sir. We'll see you in the ghost vault, whatever that, that thing was called. <laughs> Way to go! That was. It. <laughs> That's a bad end. That was a really eloquent <laughs> end to that segment. I don't know. The containment unit. There it is. I got it. Great. Um, let's talk about... Let's talk about... This was announced... Uh, I think it was like a day after our podcast. Last podcast about the console Wars movie um, that's being announced. So, you want, you want to start it off? So, it's Seth Rogen and... Um...
1: The other guy, can't remember his <laughs> name. but They were the ones who did Pineapple Express. Uh, they did Superbad. Evan Goldberg. Yeah, Evan Goldberg, that's it. Uh, both movies that I actually somewhat enjoy. I like Superbad a lot. Um, I don't, I, I've not seen Pineapple Express, but I heard it's good. I have found Pineapple Express hilarious for a number of reasons. Um, it was a sunned-up of the stoner flick. It was a sunned-up of action movies at the same time, uh, like 80s action flicks. So it was very enjoyable. Anyways, these guys are basically going to be doing... Um, A movie adaptation of the console wars Sega vs. Nintendo by Blake uh, Mitchell, uh, Blake Harris. Blake Harris. So it's going to be interesting because when I think back to the the Sega vs. Nintendo wars, you know, I think about the advertising wars, you know, and the direct attacks that they took on each other. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they. I, I would hope that the movie would maybe have some younger kids focus on like like recess, like like you know how kids you know always fought for you know Sega
0: was better, Nintendo was better. But I don't know if the movie is going to actually cover think, any
1: interesting things internally.
0: I think it's going to be like the Social Network. I think it's going to look at behind the scenes, at least at Sega, and they're going to look at. I think I saw one. Basically looking at Sega as the plucky upstart, which is not the right approach. Because Sega was not a small company by any means. No, not at all. You know, the Master System did gangbusters in Europe and other parts of the world. Not not necessarily here, but they were entrenched in Japan and in Europe. Sega. So it's not like the Genesis came out of nowhere from a small company. But I think it'd be interesting if they focused on. it It's probably going to have to focus on. I'm guessing it's going to have to focus on Sega being going up against the, the gargantuan Nintendo and then trying to, you know, get back into it. That's the way they're probably going to yeah, approach I, it. Yeah, I, I, see, I see them...
1: I see the, the story probably starting with the near end of the Master System, the Genesis, the glory years that Sega had, because they did have, like, three really great years where they were just destroying with the Genesis. I'd say four good years. Yeah, four, you know, because... Start at
0: 90, when Sonic hit, you mm-hmm. know, then they started
1: rolling down steam. And then I imagine the movie will probably end with with Nintendo coming back
0: towards the end of the Super Nintendo lifespan, but... Or at least least, uh, Sega shooting themselves in the foot by coming out with the Sega CD, then the 32X, then the Saturn within, like, two years of all that. You know what I mean? It's just too much. Yeah. And and then, not basically doing Atari's error and not skipping the older technology that's sitting on the shelf and coming out with the 5200 that was already out of date coming out. You know what I mean? Skip all that. Go to the 7800 instead. They should have skipped the 32X and just coming out with the Saturn couple years earlier they would have been in a lot better shape, but they right. didn't do that. You know so I want to address cause I was I, I did I I didn't get a real chance to look at any
1: of like the um user questions or the viewer questions uh today, but there was one that I saw and it was uh Are we done with this topic already? No 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 no, no, <laughs> okay. no it's it's it, it they it pertains to this. They wanted to know what we thought this might have to do with collecting and it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to think about because this movie is getting made because they see the market for interest in retro video games. So I think it's a signifier that the the hobby has really come into its own is almost something that can be viewed as maybe not mainstream, but slightly more mainstream than we maybe think. I I, I I would
0: be a little bit I would be a little bit cautious about that. I would think it'd be just video games in general in, in the mainstream versus just retro games. Because there's no way retro games is still very niche compared to video games as a whole. Sure. Uh, so I, I think they're looking at it as Seth Rogen's a guy who's like our age. Right. So he's looking back to hey, when I was a kid, I, I grew up with Sega, Nintendo, and the wars. Now I have some clout, and now this can make money. If we, I bet you this is going to be a dramatic movie. I don't see this being a comedy anyway. It's, it's probably going to be something more. Uh, I think. Yeah. I don't. It's, know. it's not going to be kids on a playground arguing and then throw. No, I mean, I mean, I'm
1: not saying that's what. I mean, I would hope to see something like that because
0: we all experienced it. But just like a nod to that. I don't think it's going to be a, a. If it's based uh, on the, I, if it's based on this book coming out, console war, Sega Nintendo, and the Battle of the Final Generation, I, I don't. I don't see it being a comedy. I just don't. I don't be, see that team doing a movie devoid of comedy. No, but I don't see it being like a PG thirteen. You know, Will Ferrell. You know tentpole picture sure you
1: know yeah no i mean i don't see it as being that either which is another reason why i'm interested in it because i want to see what these guys do to it i want to see i'll read the books i want to see how they treat the source material um i also think it's interesting just because it will be the first time in a while where sega as a company that produced systems will be something that's brought into uh, uh the picture again sure and i as a, as 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 a person who works at Luna Video Games and we've talked about this stuff on the podcast before, I'm interested in seeing if this at all bumps the popularity of
0: Sega consoles.
1: Um, it, I think it's might. gonna be
0: slight, but I think I'm gonna see. I think I think we'll see some of that. Depends how it's depicted. Obviously, it's gonna be positive in a way because you know they, they they got a good good chunk of the of the market share back right. in the early early to mid '90s. I'm just saying, like like
1: 12, 13, 14 year olds who come in and they buy the Nintendo stuff because they're constantly reminded of Nintendo as a company might go see this movie and be more interested to check out something Sega related. I don't know. I mean, I'm. It's a long ways I, off, and we're talking an awful lot about a movie that has like zero concrete information no, out there about it. I just think, and the book's not even
0: out. But well, the just, book, the book must be good enough that they already have, they already have the rights to the movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. They, they did that with the Lincoln uh, movie; it was, it was based on um, Team of Rivals. Right. They got Spielberg got the rights even before the book was published. Yeah. You know, to that, just to make sure that I'm, I'm going to do this. It's you know what I mean. So, uh, I guess I, I, I guess I'm just interested. I'm, I'm excited that a movie like this can get made. We'll, we'll see. How yeah, if it out. actually comes, you know, no guarantee it's no guarantees gonna be made. You know, right, this happens all the time. You buy rights to books, and yeah, yeah, ninety percent of screenplays that are bought, the rights are never made. That's just how that's just how it works. But if you have Seth Rogen attached to it, they get it produced. Maybe we'll have a part. In it. I just see it as you know, like all these younger guys in Sega of America, and they're trying to market it, and they're doing all these wacky things. Get done like the, the infamous commercials that they tried, and going after Nintendo right. directly. Right. That, yes, that's... and seeing those shenanigans. And then it's not like it's kind of hard to picture Nintendo as at least Nintendo of America. You don't see as this really by this point by like ninety ninety one they they are a little more you know sort of like it is a real corporation. But they're still taking orders from Japan. I think it'd be know. fairly easy to paint Sega as
1: like a the underdog sort of the, the underdogs and the maybe the, the the rowdier looser bunch. I think what would be interesting is how they would depict Nintendo going from kind of like button up. To what's that leap? What what causes them to be like the, you know, that the the play it loud, you know, like what 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 causes them to like try to get edgier in their
0: advertising? It was, it was probably saying at the same time, right? They started doing that what probably around ninety one, ninety two mm-hmm. with that with that stuff, you know. Definitely by ninety three, they were all you know play it loud. I have the freaking shirt, <laughs> you know. And what it's new. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. We're just all just, you know, you can't really say until the book's out, obviously, what's going to be in it. Right. And then with the book, when the book comes out, it doesn't mean it's going to be, doesn't mean they're going to follow the book's plot. It doesn't mean it's going to be the same tone as a book. If the book's a comedy or a drama, they could rewrite the screenplay. Yeah. They can do whatever they want. So um, I, I, it's going to be exciting. If it comes out, we'll just say in theory, if the book comes out this, you know, we'll probably see the movie two years from now. Right? right. You know, we'll probably see it in 2016 when I'll be retired from all of this and be out in my own island somewhere in the Pacific. Uh huh. So um <laughs> um so since the last podcast, well, a lot of stuff has happened since the last podcast, the wWE wrestling network
1: uh launched. I can barely contain my excitement about this stupid thing, so <laughs> I'm not even as up to I don't watch the current product i, I I'm not nearly as up to date with it with wWE as you are sure, but um when I just looked at what it was. I looked at the price. Ten bucks.
0: Ten bucks a month with a six month commitment. All okay. the pay all the past pay per views for ECW, WCW, and WWE slash F. Right. You you get to search. You can search for um your wrestlers. You can search and it'll bring up a- available matches within those pay per views and shows and everything. Now you get streaming content every day like regular T V programming. It's a TV schedule.
1: Yeah, you can just boot it up the app and hit play and it will play a fully programmed list of tv that starts at a specific time mm-hmm. so anyways I, I jumped into it and i i bought it and i i haven't regretted any of it um what's interesting is how to me is how many lapsed fans are getting back into are, are buying it up what's even more interesting is how many people who don't really give a fuck about wrestling are buying it because they see it as a deal they see it as a good way to enter into something my coworker, cool. my coworker gabe um Bought the WWE Network. Gabe has never regularly watched wrestling. He's always found it interesting. Sure. He is, uh, you know, uh, he's he's younger than us. He's like 22, but he's always had an interest in this era. And he's like, well, for 10 bucks a month, I'm just going to get it. He's like, and it's something to watch at night. There's thousands and thousands of hours of content on here. Um, nothing is official yet, but, you know, uh, widely believed rumors are that... Um,
0: uh, Saturday night main events are coming in, which I will love because as a kid, that's really the only chance I had to watch good. I we never ordered pay per pay- views. We didn't have a first of all, my dad would never spend whatever it was thirty bucks back then. But we didn't have a cable box. We couldn't order it anyway. Right. We had the original cable before the cable box. Believe it or not, Where yeah. it just came in directly. No, and, same here. So we had that, and uh, yeah. y- so that
1: that's in talks. And then you know everyone wants the raw and WCW episodes
0: um oh yeah but besides that like you, you mentioned before the podcast all the uh on-demand content that they've been producing for the past five or so years that'll show up eventually yeah. they have it already on there
1: yeah and it, it, it that's the that's that's the obvious next step for them to add so to that it, because it's so already formatted on it's already de, formatted on-demand for
0: stuff is like specials about like the monday night wars or you know they did they do a round table with the legends where you have like jim ross dusty Rhodes. And a bunch of other wrestlers just, just shooting the shit about stuff they remember, old stuff. And it's, like, uncensored. They're cursing. They're talking about, you know, controversy. They're talking about, you know, like, real stuff, not storylines. They're talking about how guys were. And it's it's fantastic. Ric Flair telling stories and trying to hog the, the spotlight. When everyone else is there, seeing Mick Foley talk with everyone. Just really cool content. Right. You know, a lot of this is on YouTube, but I think they're going to probably, WWE's going to come down now on that because all the contents there. So the, be, the interesting about it, go ahead. I was just going to say, my
1: go with what you're going to say. I'll, I'll launch the The interesting about it afterwards. is that
0: how cheap it is because like for example, pay-per-views are like 40 bucks once a month. You get the pay-per-views free with this. It's, yeah. it's included. Um, you get the action continue. You don't get the, the the live RAWs, but when RAW goes off the TV for the commercial, it's still on the app. They cut it in on the app. And you also get uh, recap shows. So you yeah, can, after every Raw or SmackDown, there'll be a recap show, exclusive interviews. There's a lot of value there. So much so that Dana White, when this came out, said that he thinks he thought it was a bad move because he's uh McMahon is underselling uh basically his own product. That's what Dana White thought. Dana White was like, "You're basically saying all this content's only ten, 10 bucks a month? That's insane!" And he has a point. I is. think I think at twenty bucks a month, this still would be a good deal. Well,
1: here's the thing, though. It's insane. He's he's underselling it. But I think once you hit the fifteen dollar mark. A month. I know that I would. You would be hesitant. Then? I would probably, but I would be hesitant. At twenty, you're gonna sell to every current fan. But at ten, this it's is everything. How, this is how yeah. you bring everyone back into the fold. This is how you get. I mean, almost every wrestling fan that I remember being big, uh, like watching shows with, in the like late '90s, early 2000s. Sure. They've all bought it. Whether they've kept up on it since, really, or
0: not, for guys. That they, just for yeah. the old stuff.
1: Oh, all all of my buddies that I used to watch the pay per view was with in in uh, high school. Most of them have bought it. Um, most of my current day friends who haven't watched in a few years have bought it. It's just because of the amount of stuff you get. It's ridiculous. My only concern is with the six month. Okay, so there's a six month um, uh, commitment, which is not a bad idea. At all. That's fine. That's I'm okay with that. I'm interested in seeing how fast they roll out new content because in six months without having other new content to distract people mm-hmm. and left your own devices, you're going to go through most of the pay-per-view stuff that you want to see. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be room to explore. You're not probably not going to watch all of it in six months, but all the stuff that you immediately remember, yeah. you're going to go for it and you're going to watch all that. And That's why I feel like we might not see it right now, but I think as these six-month commitments are coming up to end, as mm-hmm. they're they're ready to t- uh, expire, I think that's when they're going to start trying to. If they're smart, they're going to drop things like raw episodes and WCW Nitro episodes and Thunder episodes and you know things with good undercards, so that right as you're about to be like, "I've got my money's worth," they dump a whole bunch more crap on you to
0: explore. Well, the fact that they have steady programming lined up for it too, like that—that uh, that itself is, is worth it. Because like this was brought up, in, this was, we brought this up in the past uh, when this was first announced. How a year ago they were supposed to have launched a network by then. Two,
1: two years ago. This is this has been so, this has been in discussion since 2010. I so
0: think. I think what happened was is that Vince Vince takes takes risks that have failed. Uh, the, the bodybuilding federation XFL. Massive failures, mm-hmm. lost tens of millions of dollars. You know, um, he probably looked at okay, because because in the past the USA, remember Raw went to TNN from a while. Remember when it was the Nashville network oh, yeah. before it became, I believe, Spike It was a yeah. Nashville network. Then back to the USA, so they've had problems before with, with their distribution, mm-hmm. with SmackDown getting moved around. SmackDown used to be Thursdays, and then it got moved. I think it was Saturday. It was Saturday for a while at some point. It's on Friday now, which is yeah. a terrible time for wrestling. Friday is the worst night for it. So the point is that I think Vince, Vince looked at it and said, you know what? With this internet thing, they've been pushing Twitter for like three years now on their shows. Like, it's always hashtag this, which is great. It's great. They, they got ahead of the curve with that. So Vince probably looked at this and said, you know what? If this is going to be the future of this, I want to have it established now. So then if I have negotiations a year from now with, say, USA Network, if they're giving me a tough time, I can come back to USA and say, hey, listen. You know, you have to listen to our demands a little better because we have this on the app. We can just go all digital, if we want to, right. on the they, app.
1: They can show the they can show the subscribers. Yep, and they can say, you know, all these people will gladly watch it on the
0: app sure. live. I mean, they'll watch it on our Xboxes or, our, you know, whatever. They may be to get a Hulu deal in. You know, who who knows what they can do. You know, but people people within a couple of years, most people I then are you know. There's people that don't even have cable anymore. You don't have cable anymore. No, I don't. But they have like stuff like Chromecast, and they have these uh, boxy boxes and everything else. Even 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 now, built into new TVs that you can hook up your computer feed to your to your TV, uh, so you can just you know what I mean. You don't you don't even need a TV anymore. So hardcore wrestling fans. This is, this is a dream come true for them. So I think you just signed up for this today, and you want to touch quickly, because I have a feeling people who do
1: have the network will uh, be very upset if we don't mention it. You really have to watch the NXT Arrival
0: show. It's fantastic. Let's
1: explain what a- NXT is to those that aren't familiar with
0: it. NXT is sort of the minor leagues of WWE.
1: It's their developmental network stable that runs yes. out of full sale in Florida. Basically, They, 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 they yeah.
0: run storylines, they run shows. Right. They used to, it used to be in Florida, it used to be, I think, FCW, but then they, they brought it all in-house. So... Um,
1: Every week on the network, you get an hour-long NXT show. But the very first thing they broadcast on the WWE Network live was what they called NXT Arrival, which is basically like a mini two-hour NXT pay-per-view. And the opening match, particularly with Sami Zayn and Cesaro, was fantastic i mean my girlfriend who knows nothing about wrestling she got into watched it. the whole thing and was like that was fucking great and then she watched the closing match and i don't remember who the names of the guys in the closing match but it was a ladder match and it was a pretty good ladder match and uh you know and then there was some amusing stuff in between like there was a squash match where they had one of their big tag teams um destroy uh too cool
0: which was... Too y- Cool
1: was there? Yeah, Too Cool Well, they were on up- Raw
0: a few weeks back. Too that's Cool right. came out
1: and got destroyed. They were on Old School Raw, I think it was a, m- a month ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scotty Too Hotty certainly has a lot less hair, as in no He's hair He's a fireman now. Yeah, well, good for him. Yeah. Um, he was doing the worms, still.
0: That's funny as hell.
1: Uh, so, anyways, it, it, it was just... it. What was interesting about that show was... I, I hope it... Because of the reaction that, that's online to how great that show was... And they're not doing those pay-per-views monthly. They're doing the show weekly, and then they said they'll probably do like three of the bigger shows a year. But how positive the reaction was. People being like,
0: this is what we want to see. You want to see original, re- real wrestling content.
1: Yeah, they want to see real wrestling content, but they want also want to see younger guys. They don't want to see necessarily a ton of big man
0: stuff. Well, that's the problem with Raw. When Raw went to three hours, uh, what was it, a year ago already went to three hours? Um, people were like, wow, this is great. We're going to see a lot more wrestling. That's kind of happened. There's now almost a pay-per-view quality match or two now every uh, every week, especially mm-hmm. with the tag tag matches have been excellent. The tag division has been the best. The tag division has been probably in 20 years. The past couple, uh, say, year and a half. Um, but but the other problem is you have a lot of recaps. You have a lot of uh, let's just say puff pieces promoting other stuff. So now, like for the three hours. Like you remember how we was talking about Nitro? The first hour Nitro was great because it'd be luchador matches, cruiserweights. That's not
1: happening. Yeah, let me ask you that. So I loved three hour Nitro because of the undercard. How would you like? But I haven't seen a three hour Raw. So they don't. How does it? How does it compare? There's no undercard on Raw.
0: There's no. There's no uh, guys that are just good wrestlers that may not have the best charisma or they're younger. They don't have that. That's they start Mm. off from the gate with hour one on Raw is we're puffing. You know, here comes the CEO Triple H. You know, here comes Daniel Bryan. That's out of the gate first. So that it's, it's was hour shame. two stuff in. That WCW. was hour two be, be, because because that's when they when nine p.m. came. That was the same time Raw was on yep. with Nitro. So the first hour they can bullshit and do whatever they wanted. It's unfortunate that WWE doesn't have faith, but with this app, that's where they can put that material. At least. So people want to see the young wrestlers. Well,
1: they can track this stuff so well now too. But with it's this it's app, so so yeah.
0: so NXT. If people are
1: tuning tuning into NXT, it's 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 it's. It's for a reason. They can see how many people are enjoying that stuff, and hopefully, make give it a bigger push. Sure. Um What was interesting to me was uh, I'd never seen Cesaro wrestle before. He was great. Um, but oh, he's so, been my favorite wrestler. But Sammy, the past two years. I think his name is I think that's his name, Sammy Zane. Zane. Uh, I used to love that guy. Never knew his name. That's because I knew him as El Generico, <laughs> and, and he's. Knew. Freaking, he was freaking great as El Generico. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and Vani looks at me, and she goes, why do they keep chanting ole, ole, ole at that guy? And I go, I don't know. That was a Samoa Joe and a Generico thing from Ring it, of Honor. And then, and then someone, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or whatever, was like, yeah, he was good as Generico. And I was like, holy shit, yeah, he was. So, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's neat to see it's the people positive. That they've got in there.
0: It's positive because I think with the, now that they've been drug testing the past five or six years, finally, um, guys are not as big as they were. Right. They are pushing wrestlers. CM Punk was champion for over a year. The crowd yeah. was electric at the NXT event. Like that's good. How big was the crowd? You think
1: small? I a thousand mean, thousand maybe? Uh, a thousand I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but I'd say average Ring of Honor size or less. So yeah, eight hundred to a thousand. But like what I saw, what I saw with the crowd for the NXT show was what I saw when I used to go to like the smaller like. PWG, Dragon Gate, uh, you know, Ring of Honor shows was everyone's into it. Everyone's chanting. Yeah,
0: they appreciate technical wrestling. You know, matches that ended
1: on NXT where on like Raw, you know, when the guy went to go shake the hand, he probably would have decked him. No, everything was handshakes and hugs after the matches. Like, it was all good stuff. respecting the sport
0: of wrestling. Right. So, yeah,
1: I mean, more than anything I'm happy that I have access to that. We'll see if it holds up the quality. I mean obviously they like put together I, a good
0: card, but like I said surprisingly on raw the past I'd say year and a half uh 2 years the actual wrestling quality is probably the best it's been what I can remember. The actual probably since the Golden Smackdown era when it was I guess they anything they used to call it the Magnificent 6 or 7 when it was Edge, Christian, Guerrero, Angle um, and Mysterio when he can move all doing these awesome matches every week on Smackdown we're talking like 2003 yeah, I remember it was, it was um, the
1: end of when, I, when when that era ended that's when I pretty
0: much that's completely how gave
1: up on wrestling the matches are time. good
0: they, they had a paper quality uh, rematch between uh, the Shield and, and uh, the Wyatt family which is the hottest thing going on in the company right now because when the, when when it started both teams were heels which you never see. Right. That. And, and they're both the big destructive forces. And all of a sudden, and it made sense, uh, they basically, uh, the Wyatts screwed uh, members of the Shield at, at, out of a possible elimination chamber entry. Uh, and all three were going to get in if they won this match, but they came in and beat up John Cena and got. Uh, the other team disqualified, got the Shield disqualified, which made perfect sense. They weren't trying to put one over on the Shield. They were trying to put one over and beat up John Cena, which they did. But in doing that, they screwed over the Shield. So it was a natural storyline, which you don't see often. So all of a sudden, these two big teams that, you know, they had no reason to fight, now they fought, and they had an awesome pay-per-view match. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but my my buddy said as soon as... But the rematch on Raw, I'm saying that was almost as good. Yeah, You know, so... That kind of stuff is happening on Raw. You are seeing good matches. Daniel Bryan, uh, the past year and a half has been ha- doing all these handicap matches or wrestling or He wrestled three matches in a row on Raw. Like, we're talking, he wrestled like 45 five minutes straight uh, to end the Raw. Like, just like, the wrestling quality has been up. That's the good news. Well, I I mean, it's good to, to go back to what I was kind of saying
1: before is these six-month commitments end and people start to go through the backlog. Um... I hope they look at what people are watching. They look at what people are enjoying, and they they adjust the modern day content accordingly so that people keep the network. Because if if the quality yeah. if the quality gets crappy, yeah, they're, they're just going to drop it once we've once we've all relived our 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 eighties and nineties wrestling
0: heyday. Yeah. But I think they're going to have, like you said, the NXT stuff. People are going to be excited mm-hmm. about because it's like I want to I watch it. Yeah, I want to see these young guys. That, you know, they say now everyone that they ha- sign has to go through NXT. Even if you've been in Ring of Honor, like, like Cesaro came from, he went to NXT. Um, and then he came in. Uh, just for even a little bit to get them in tune with the WWE wrestling style, which is you know a little bit now. It's not as bad, but it's still dumbed down. You know, you know. Um, Triple A I don't like
1: the guy much at all. But oh, oh, oh tri- for- but, but
0: Triple H. Paul Levesque. Yes, I yeah. don't like Paul Levesque the yeah. person that much. No, but, but who's he, now in charge of a lot of it? He yeah.
1: did say something that I thought was interesting, and it was that guys in these indies, okay, they have great moves, right? Their athleticism is great. They're fast they're quick they're good at what they do but there is a benefit to slowing it down just a little you know he said it, he's like I don't necessarily want to change their style he's like but you know allow the wrestling match to breathe a little yeah. bit so they can tell a story and I, I had to go back and make sure that quote was from him because I was like that's the first sensible thing I've I, I've come out of his mouth but it's true if you take the indie style of wrestling like Ring of Honor or, or Dragon Gate or something and you slow it down just a touch so that people you who aren't it. into wrestling or who have never really been exposed to it can follow the no, match and see why you know why does he keep going for that guy's elbow well because this is what his finisher does like yes.
0: that I agree with that no, makes that's sense that's Hunter as a wrestler He never really put on Five star matches But he he was a solid Always solid And always was good At ring psychology At least yeah. That, that So that you give him Credit for So if that's what They're trying to impose On these young guys That can do a billion moves And just yeah That I agree with I, I have no In terms of the actual Wrestling uh, content In terms of the In ring action I have no Real issue with the quad right now. It's like I said, it's the best overall it's been in a long time. It's just the booking. Even guys like, exactly, which we'll get to in a second, but even guys like Orton always puts on a solid match. It's just that he puts on the same match against the same guys. That's the problem. You've seen Orton versus Cena a billion times. With that said, though, uh, we are a month out from WrestleMania and there's only two matches really set on the card. Um, so on Raw last week, you had, uh, it was confirmed. It was rumored for a while that it'd be Brock Lesnar. Who Brock Lesnar the past two years has been a really part-time guy who, who's wrestled maybe three or four times a year, show up at maybe ten Raws a year, you know. But he comes out, gets a huge pop, still wrestles really well. He's a he. I he's scary still. I have no he's idea why anyone likes scary. that guy. He's I, scary. He is. He really I, is. Yeah, I've just never felt. I've never seen the appeal. He threw. He threw a a monitor. You know how they how they. You know that they take the monitors off, or he f five Mark Henry on on the on the table on, on Raw like he was nothing. He gets so into it, he threw the monitor so far it bounced and then went into the crowd. The head, so no, he <laughs> Holy shit. he's a mon like no, yeah. you don't want to. He fought in the UFC. I know right? he did. With, with Diverculitis, or uh, whatever, is that? I think I, I, think I said it correctly, that the intestinal disease, and still became champion, and it was a weak heavyweight division at the time, but he still became champion and defended it, you know, and just to do that was very tough, and then, you know, no, Lesnar's a, a monster, and he was, he was a real amateur wrestler, a, a champion. So, I mean, so he's against Undertaker, will that be a good match? I don't know. I don't see that being a good match. Undertaker, Undertaker's match last year against CM Punk, I still have to see, but then CM Punk can drag a guy to a good match. Uh, he's like Bret Hart that way. He can drag a guy to a match. But afterwards, I did see when he stuck around for about a month afterwards and wrestled for a few times. Undertaker, he looked terrible. The, the last maybe two years before that, he really wasn't showing his age. The guys have got to be close to fifty by now. Yeah. And now he's showing. Yeah. He's showing. And his, I mean, he's forty-nine. Yeah. I mean, he's he right showed there. his age. Like you know how he does the jumping. You know the jumping clothesline where he goes over the guy. He can't get over the guy anymore. Yeah. He can't. Um. So he's gonna be against Brock. I think that'll be decent, just because. Uh, Brock uh, Lesnar usually doesn't have a bad match but then again I don't think he's a tough guy that Cara got a good match but at least Undertaker has never really had a bad one of these bad matches in a long time because there's only one match a year they make it special so that said that match is set the other match unfortunately it's still set which is going to change and I'll tell you why in a second Batista versus Orton which no one wants to see no no one wanted to see it from the time Bat- Batista came back we spoke about it before at Royal Rumble because Batista comes back, hasn't been there for four years, not in wrestling shape, not as big as he used to be, probably because they are drug testing more, mm-hmm. part of the reason why. He looks like just a rat. He's in shape. He's in great shape physically, not ring shape. But there's nothing special about the guy. He, does, he doesn't He does put on good matches. He doesn't have a great moveset. He doesn't have great ring psychology. He's he never just a big, did. That's the problem. And now he's 45. He's not a young guy either. When he, when he came in the first time, like he... Yeah.
1: he... He was an easy character to root against and he could he had he had the basic big man
0: moveset. Right? Well he was in evolution when he came yeah. in too. Yeah he was just a silent killer right. of evolution. And which he was had a... Ric Flair, Randy Orton, who was very young at the time he was like twenty three at the time, uh Triple H and Batista. So he had a very basic big man moveset. He could work a match, but it
1: wasn't great. But I've heard that since as he's like he left and he's come back and I've heard now that he's older, he basically has all those things which aren't which become massive negatives when you blow up in, like, two minutes or three minutes. Like, everybody's just got no stamina.
0: He he got gassed in the Royal Rumble, and he didn't even do anything. Like I said, for a guy coming back in the Royal Rumble, like, when John Cena came back the one year, I think it was, like, four or five years ago from injury and won it, he at least comes back as a force and throws guys out. Batista threw, like, one or two guys out, barely. The rest of the time, he's in the corner like this, just like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> going for breath, and I told you how he threw out Roman Reigns it was just terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the most une- uneventful way to get thrown out. Oh, gone for the hair. Oh, he reverses it, gets the hair, and throws him out. And then the crowd just turned against us. The problem was is that the fans booed it heavily. We said Royal Rumble so much so because Daniel Bryan wasn't even in the Rumble, and so he was he was booed. They tried they tried to uh, WWE tried to. Drown out the booze by putting his music up. But after a few weeks, they said they have to. So they finally turned him heel last week on SmackDown. And, and, and the way they turned him heel was like saying he's basically now making fun of Daniel Bryan, who's now the number one face in the company, even more than John Cena. Uh, he's finally eclipsed because they're giving him that push finally. But they're saying, uh, I come back and you have Daniel Bryan in the yes movement, and he, he's not a real wrestler going about the size thing, which is what the fans really think. And so they're actually now putting that into it. They said, no, I'm here. I'm going to be the champion and just deal with it. Now it makes sense. The only problem is now for sure then there's no way they're going to have Orton versus Batista because you don't have a heel versus heel match ever. I've seen it maybe one time on Raw 10 years ago when Angle was a heel versus another guy and the crowd couldn't care less. And Angle, because Angle is one of the all-time greats now, I do say that knowing that he hasn't been wrestling a huge amount of time, 13 years, 14 years, Um, Angle turned the crowd and basically started wrestling as a face during the match because he realized the crowd was dead. That's what I was going to say.
1: Heel, Heel versus heel only works when you have charismatic heels like Angle or The Rock where they can
0: actually shift the opinion of the crowd but, during the match, but that is still extremely rare, though, because yeah. you have to have the, the crowd has to be behind at least one person. Mm-hmm. Face versus face is probably my favorite because you have everyone rooting for one or the other. That's right. that's the best. But um, so what's going to happen is this: if CM Punk, CM Punk was not on Raw, that's a whole other issue we'll get to in a second. If CM Punk's not inserted into this, which looks like now CM Punk is going to be gone forever, but t- uh, Daniel Bryan has to be inserted into this as a triple threat. He has to be. Otherwise, there's no one else they can put into that match and have it make sense. Right. And and come out at least has the champion, probably. So, so the only other rumored match right now is um, Daniel B- Bryan's been trying to um, challenge Triple H to a match uh, the past couple weeks because he's been screwed out of the title two or three times. Really three times he's been screwed out of the title, going back to SummerSlam where he got screwed out of winning the title, he got screwed. The next month, he got screwed. The next next night, the decision was reversed, and the title was held up, and then screwed out of Elimination Chamber when Kane came in and cost Brian the title against Or in Elimination Chamber. So now he wants the title against Triple H. Triple H is saying, no, you're not my league, you're a B-plus player. I'm not going to lace my boots up for a B-plus player, which works great as a heel. I, I don't like that still because it kind of still buries a guy, which even even subconsciously, but whatever. So I think what they're going to do is, they're probably going to have some sort of stipulation, have that as the first or second match of the night. Yeah, Brian Brian against Triple H. Says, okay, you don't want a match with me? Yeah. Brian beats Triple H and gets inserted in as a, as a, as
1: a, as a, it as a three-way.
0: And he's inserted in the three-way, he's beat up from Triple H. But he that still...
1: legitimizes his win in the three-way, too. Because generally, right. when, when you look at a, a triple threat match, no one wants to win that, because there can be all sorts of ways. They don't necessarily look... Well, it's not. It's just not a one-on-one it's not match as clean, it's unless not as clean. you beat the champion, right? So it's. I think to I, insert I, him in there is, is beaten up will will lend credibility to him potentially winning the title.
0: Yeah, it'll help. Yeah, and unfortunately, WWE never does triple threat eliminations where you have to beat two guys to win. They usually just do the first first pinfall submission wins. Yeah, I, I always which I don't like. But then again, ten years ago, it, Benoit did uh, tap out the champion Triple H and win at MSG. So yeah. It it was it was great because of that. Shawn Michaels wasn't anywhere near the ring; he was thrown of the ring to, to screw it up. So I think that's what's going to happen, unless CM Punk somehow comes back. But CM Punk was not at Raw in Chicago, which is in him his hometown. All right, let's write in this one in just a touch because
1: we've been going on wrestling for. That's fine. <laughs> this, this is you know this is like three topics, but really it's just been
0: one long wrestling cut for topic. YouTube. But um, so I guess it's official. If they were going to bring CM Punk back, it would have been. At, at Raw. Now, CM Punk has been gone since the Royal Rumble. It's been over a month. And they haven't mentioned him at TV at all. They stopped following him on Twitter. It's for real. It's not a work. I thought you know.
1: Heyman mentioned him.
0: That's what I'll get to. Okay. Uh, because they realized in Chicago the crowd was going to be blowing up for him, which they do. They start off the show with his song. And here comes out Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman sits in the middle ring. They had to be very careful, though, because I think they still want CM Punk back. They didn't bury Punk how they buried uh, Bret Hart after Survivor Series 97, right. they didn't do that. Um, they basically said, uh, Paul Heyman basically said, I'm I'm disappointed too that CM Punk will not be here, but you have yourselves to blame because you started loving him. And, and so when that happened, he started caring about what you guys thought, and now he's gone. And it's all started with his loss to Undertaker last year at WrestleMania. And now I want revenge with Brock Lesnar. So he actually was great because he segued into getting heat for the current match. It was actually brilliant. Paul is probably the best guy in the mic in the business right oh, he's now. He's good. Um, so, uh, it was a shame, though, just because, I mean, when you heard the news that you thought it was going to come out, it was a little bit of a tease. It was a little bit a little bit too much uh, with that, but at least they said to the show that he's not going to be here, if you believe them. Then again, the fans still believe that Multiple times throughout the show, they chanted CM Punk. They try to drown out a lot. At the end of the show, Daniel Bryan getting beat up by Randy Orton Triple H. They really chanted CM Punk thinking he would come out. It would be a perfect time for it. Right to him to come out through the crowd or something, but it didn't happen. So with that said, at this point, it looks like CM Punk's not gonna be involved with WrestleMania thirty, which is a big big re- it's gonna it's regretful, obviously. Yeah, it, it's 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 a shame. I haven't
1: s I mean, once again, this is where I'm a little lost because it's 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 modern product. I also was lucky enough to see CM Punk wrestle in some of the smaller organizations, but I haven't seen him wrestle in forever, so I don't know exactly what I'm missing at this point. You know, he was good back then. Um, what I would touch on is just some of the negative reactions people gave to CM Punk for not coming out, um... Or for him not, you know, taking it to Twitter and saying, I'm not going to be there. I brought that up. Like, he could have maybe said that, but... We don't know that he can actually talk about that. He left with six months left in his he's contract, still contract, I believe. He's, so he's still contract. He's not contract. released. He's not released. So, he probably can't talk about it. In, in, in two, it's... Um, I don't know. I feel like the poor guy was in this damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. He wants to stick up for what he thinks is, is, is basically better wrestling. So he leaves, and then people get pissed when he doesn't come back for the quick pop with a storyline. And it's just like, I don't know, he he had, there was no reason, even if he could have told you, when he said he left, there was no reason for you to not believe him. Like, this is the problem with wrestling, this is the problem with people leaving companies, and I've seen this tons of times, is you never know if it's a work or a shoot. And I think people really deep down wanted well, this to be at work, but I, I mean, from day one, it had all the signs th- of a shoot. That's
0: because three years ago, when he was going to leave the company, they basically said, here's the mic, go out at Las Vegas Raw and say what's on your mind. At that point, he was going to leave. Right. And so they worked it into a brilliant storyline, which was, got mainstream. Remember, summer, uh, it was called the Summer of Punk of 2011. Yeah, I remember It was that. in the mainstream. They were talking about an on ESPN about, is he going to leave? Yeah, like, I know. They're, I they're talking that. about the promo. The promo is one of the best promos of the past 10-15 years. Um, and so, with, when that sort of situation arises with someone like that, yes, reality and storyline does sort of blur. But they could have worked it in brilliantly if he had come back. But obviously, he's serious. He's at this point, he's done. I mean, he's going to wait till his contract runs out, and then either do whatever, go to Japan, or just sit home. Yeah. You know, he's not young anymore. He's thirty-five. Which he still probably has three, four, five years he can wrestle. But he's probably beat up. He's probably burnt out. You know, wrestlers yeah. don't get time off. No. Don't.
1: and it's it's just it's like um I don't know the people who turned on him who are fans who aren't fans because he left it's that's like saying that you're not friends with someone anymore because yeah. they left their shitty job where they were horribly mistreated. I, I left
0: the, <laughs> the, the shitty job, yeah. yeah. You know, are people are gonna say, "Oh, well, screw him for leaving that job." He, it's like no, it's it's you, you can leave, you can you have the right to leave any right. any job. And I've always felt time. this way
1: about performers. Um, they do it because they like it, and their paycheck is reliant on on on. On fans, but they don't owe you anything. Like, if they're yeah. if, if it's miserable, they don't owe you anything. It, it, it's any other job. When they're done, sure. they're done.
0: Sure. So. Anyway. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's a shame, because, you know, like I always said, like CM Punk was... I think he helped, maybe behind the scenes, get the better wrestling content to the forefront. He helped behind the scenes get guys a push... Yeah, that needed it, you know, he was obviously a strong proponent of Daniel Bryan, It's one of the reasons he was probably gone, because he was disappointed pointing Batista, went in the Rumble, which he was exactly right, that was a horrible decision, which is why they've been backpedaling and backtracking the past few weeks to fix but, it but he's gonna be in a movie, that means people care about Batista, yeah, exactly. yeah, like that is uh, that, that's, that, that's the dumbest thing ever that is, that is 1999 WCW and, and they, thinking, they did the same thing with The Rock, he was not pleased when they gave the title The Rock, and he beat, they beat The Rock ended CM Punk's streak when he came back uh, last year and won through a Rumble, he was not pleased with that too, obviously. Yeah. Because he looked at it as disrespect to the business. Because a guy comes back not in great wrestling shape again, but at least with The Rock, at least The Rock is charismatic and was popular. Yeah, I, I like Batista? The Rock. Batista? Right. No. You know, like, doesn't make any sense. The guy wasn't good five years ago. The guy wasn't good. Right. He was putting on passable matches against like John Cena and Mysterio. You put you know? that on your resume? Uh, passable passable matches. matches against Mysterio and <laughs> yeah, John yeah. Cena. <laughs> Purveyor of pr- passable matches. Yeah. Um. So I, I tweeted out that hey, I-, I I can get up to speed in a few months. I'll wrestle. My shoulders a little iffy, you know, but I'll, I'll- you know I'll, I'll get it in the ring. I'll cut some promos. <laughs> get me in there wonderful I still have lots of dreams of being about well I'm, I'm a wrestler I told you like a few times a year at least I'll dream that I'm a wrestler at least I have those but at least but the funny thing about that is that I, I'm always in my dreams I'm always undercard or never booked to perform I swear <laughs> to God so in my dreams I'm always seeing the ring and talking to other wrestlers but I'm always like you know just a guy that I'm on Sunday Night Heat you know I'm not I, I'm just not, hanging out like, Yeah, I'm just hanging out holy you shit know? Sunday Night Heat yeah, yeah I, I have am. been on like 10 years at least you know or, or shotgun Saturday night, yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. so in my in my dreams, I'm always a guy that yeah, you know, I'm a good wrestler, but I never get my shot for whatever reason. What was the yeah, other one, one that I used to watch it? WCW Worldwide?
1: I think it was on for like two years. It was like a morning show. Yep, you're right. Saturday like morning. Saturday, it was like a Saturday morning
0: show. Was... The Saturday night one was good. Uh, That's like a two hour show. The Saturday night one with yes. Dusty Rhodes would be on color commentary. He on the mother
1: ship. Yeah. WCW Saturday <laughs> night.
0: Uh Thunder was awful though. Thunder was sometimes they have good matches with WWE Thunder was, was Thunder was good for like the first year six months year. When they were when they were going up against SmackDown probably. Yeah.
1: No, uh, well, I think Thunder was first. Yeah, Thunder was, was first. And then
0: SmackDown was a response. Yeah. Um, and
1: then and then and then Thunder
0: completely fell off and became totally B card. So there you have it. CM Punk. Probably gone, but never say never, especially with wrestling. Ultimate Warrior's gonna be back in the Hall of Fame, yeah. who would have saw that coming, you know, he was the guy that Vince McMahon called a psych- psychopath, you know, publicly, so I mean, and he is, but I
1: mean. <laughs> I've seen some modern pictures of him, and he's just got this like, blissed-out opiate smile, and his eyes are always like, three-quarters of the way closed. Yeah, any guy that changes his name legally to Warrior, it's not all there, <laughs> you know. He sells his like, trippy-ass paintings on his website. Does he really? Yeah, for a lot of money. Well,
0: he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame, uh, Jake the Snake so far, uh, Lita, who I do agree with her. She was good. Chris Stratus and then Lita, um, and then a uh, P- uh, Paul Bearer. Uh, so that's he's 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 gonna get there too. How about Sting though? You like Sting? You think Sting's gonna? <laughs> <laughs> you remember that the last Nitro? You like Sting? Yes, I do. I do remember <laughs> that. They're all on the shelf. All around the shelf. Um, it's Sting. The rumor now is Sting's coming back after uh, WrestleMania. I'm gonna mark out like. It was as if he went over during the invasion in two thousand and one. If Sting shows up, I don't care. The guy's in his mid fifties. I I love Sting. Love the character. He's the icon. And Sting versus Undertaker, WrestleMania thirty one. I'm gonna be there. Can't wait <laughs> next year. All right, move on. We're moving on, guys. I, um, want to talk about want to talk about video games as art, real quick, or no? We can, simply someone, because... Someone brought it up. S- someone brought
1: it up, and it's it's not a conversation I particularly like having, because I don't feel like it ever goes anywhere. <laughs> um, but, I mean, why not? I mean, it's a video game podcast. We just talked about wrestling for 40 minutes. Uh, might as well get our opinions on it out there. Quite simply, uh, yes, without trying to explain why, because the more you over-explain it, the stupider it gets, I, I do think video games can be art. I think that... Plenty of games that want to be seen as artsy do not come across as that at all, and plenty of very simple, basic games I see as is is art as, as uh, you know. Playing them is uh, you know takes you into a state, and there's just something
0: perfect and and wonderful about it. Uh, so you see the entire product of a video game as art, not individual pieces of it.
1: Right. I, I, I yeah. I think I think video a uh, video game as a whole. can can be be art. art. Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to get... And then then the next question is, well, what what makes a video game art? And that's... Here's the definition of art.
0: The expression or, or application of human creative skill and imagination typically typically, doesn't mean always, in a visual form such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. So in that definition, yes, video games can be art. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I just, I mean, and
1: that's the thing, I don't know why it's such an argument, probably because there have been people
0: who have claimed that they aren't, but... Roger Ebert did, but then he reversed course. Well,
1: yeah, he he kind of double-backed on it, and... I don't know I, I don't know why it's it's such a the problem is, is then people want to pick like games that they feel like should be should be classified, could as, high be classified art. as art or the, like what games would you show people as art like one that everyone picks in, oh God I can already see the back everyone wants to pick braid I didn't like braid I didn't like braid the game at all I didn't care for it i like but, the hairstyle um me. but then uh <laughs> you know something like uh killer seven for me. I would consider it art. Why? Because I got really into it. I felt something. I enjoyed the style of it. I enjoyed the story. You know, I, I, I just there was something great about it as a whole piece, as a work. You know, it was something that I greatly enjoyed. Like you wrote, a good movie. Sure. Um, if, if movies well, can be art, it, then in video, the if books can be art, then video
0: games can be art. Art's subjective. Well, yeah. you think something is art is always subjective though. So by that definition, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to rely on someone else to reaffirm what you like as art. You shouldn't. Right. You should trust your own self, and it's the same thing with anything else, though, that when someone gives a bad review of something, you feel offended for some reason because they don't want, they're not affirming what you enjoy. It's the same thing. If you think video game is art, it's art. Well, there's someone in the comments who got all upset because I didn't like Final
1: Fantasy anymore, and it's like, man, I'm not telling you not to like Final Fantasy, well, you know? Well, that's, that's with anything, though. Yeah, but, you know, it's just... Yeah, I mean, yes, I think it's art. You don't have to, and if you do, you don't need the... the um, Affirmation
0: of a third party. Never. To, to tell you that. Never. And I even think that, I'm going to, I was trying to say individual pieces. I think individual pieces of a game can be looked at as art. Oh, yeah, Obviously, absolutely. Mu- The music of Act Razor is beautiful. Yeah. So, some of the uh, just scenes, how they play out with the people in Act Razor, that's why it's one of my favorite games, is, is beautiful. I think that's art. Landscapes can be great. Uh, uh, you play through something
1: like El Shaddai hmm. and you see the beautiful, surreal landscapes that you play through. That's art. You know, what I mean, there's all sorts, yes. All yeah. sorts of ways that it can be viewed as art, whether broken down or taken as a whole.
0: I, I think the reason why people, some people are, were, I'm trying to play devil's advocate, advocate why they say it wasn't, because unlike the other forms uh, of media, this one's interactive. And so maybe they think that the fact that you're cr- almost creating your own experience, that itself doesn't make it art. The fact that, you know what I mean? It's fluid. It's not always, not that you get the same sort of message out of the pain that the next person does. But it's static. Video games are not static. The, the the experience with games changes person to person. But the movie's always the same. The book is always the same letters. I the would, picture's always the same. The music is always going to be the same song. I would argue that that makes it potentially more
1: art. Because it's so much more about what you put into it and then what you get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a silly debate. I, I think, like... You know, you said when it comes down to it, almost anything can be art if you if you choose to view it as such.
0: Sure. Let's get a retro gaming topic in real quick. And this week is going to be one that was brought to my attention about four or five days ago. Okay. There's a little Samson on eBay right now. Oh, Jesus Christ. The five screw? Yeah, you already know it. Um, brought to our attention, my attention on my Facebook, and then uh, Billy from the Game Chasers, yeah. uh said something about it. Um, there's a five screw little Samson on eBay. And why this is... And why, if that doesn't jump out on you as something that it should... There was no more five screw games after 87. Right. After 87, I think towards the middle, they were gone by that point. What They were transitioning out of them. Uh, because the five screw games, for those not familiar, were regular flat screwdrivers. Mm-hmm. Which means you could open them up, change out the boards, screw around with it, whatever you want. Obviously Nintendo didn't want that to happen. I remember renting... Um, my friend renting, uh, or was my friend guy on the street? He rented like a, like a mock rider and and a blades of steel and and, and he switched it and he you know, he owned the mock rider and then he opened it up, rented blades of steel and put it in there. You know what I mean? yeah. So I mean they they didn't want that shit to happen. So what they did was they changed to a three screw security bit that you couldn't find that in the late eighties probably. It was probably very hard to find that bit and kids were not going to go out of the way to, to get one probably. So. Why this is important is because Little Samson is a high-dollar game. Right. It peaked at maybe seven $800. It's come back down. Start of a crash. We talked about it before. I think these games, some of these games have reached their peak. Now it's settling maybe $500 range. People are trying to get $580 by it now. I don't think that's happening. No. Part of the reason why is this. There's a lot of people trying to scam. And we brought this up almost every week about these motherfuckers selling exact or almost reproduction labels... To begin with, yeah, this topic coming up is timely to
1: like the label discussion we had last week, and people are like, "Ooh, well, blah blah blah." Well, no, this is what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to see what happened here. Someone, to me at least, it, it, it could be any number of things. Someone had a cart, five screw, opened up converter in it, put a Famicom little Samson in there, closed it back up. Put a repro label yeah. on it and threw it online. Sure Now, if they were smarter and they had done that, I mean, you could still grab the pieces, put it together whatever. You can fake it a number of different ways. So,
0: you don't think they even got a ROM board and, and or had one made? You think it's just a Family there. I problem. think that's
1: that that's possible. I'm
0: not saying that that's what, necessarily. What, what's even I more agree. hysterical about this is, is that this seller refuses so, to open up and show the board. He says and it's it, not even a security bit, right? Well, he says it'll damage the value if he opens what it. A, this 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 motherfucker, and I don't like cursing a lot, but that's what he is. He's in New Jersey, and I've been hearing a lot of these scams. Was coming out of Jersey, and I'll be the first to tell you, uh, Jersey before any other part of the world, it, because I was there. The bug of, of scalpers hit first in Jersey because I saw it firsthand. Right. Like even two thousand six, two thousand five, I saw it coming then there. Before I, I only saw it in San Diego. Really, the past three years, uh, and, and it was happening there seven, eight years ago. Right. Um, so this asshole. Trying to get away with this, and I think it was either taken down the first time this auction, he put it back up. There's a, by the time you hear this podcast, it'll still be uh, a less, a little less than a day left. But it's at two hundred sixty dollars now. But the words getting out that this is just bullshit. Oh, it's at two hundred sixty. So it got taken it's, down when it was at four eighty. It's and back it's, up, and, and people are still bidding on it. Um yeah, because some people don't know. That's the problem. I, it's right. hard and people always say, Well, it's it's the buyer's responsibility. No, it's the responsibility of This shit not being out there. It's Counterfeits a, counterfeiting's illegal, by the way. It's this is illegal to do this. It's it's the responsibility of the collecting community as a whole to make sure that shitheads like that can't do this. People should be flagging every one of those reprint auctions. There's ones that sell a five pack and it's like Snow Brothers, Little Samson's, right. Flintstones, Dinosaur Pete. It's like, yeah, I have a lot of those games laying around with bad labels. Right. Are you are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? And I get yelled at for trying on some forums for trying to speak about this shit for years, saying this is this stuff is bad. This is what what this is what happens when you start speculating on this shit. It brings in the f- vultures. Yeah, that's what happens. So it it, it, it ruins the hobby. Ruins it. Yes. Because now the, and not even talking about value, but like you said, like you don't trust these games coming, and you shouldn't. When you go to these conventions, you demand that they open up that game. A three screw little Samson and you look at the ROM board and you go online and you compare it with real pictures of another ROM board and you, an and you have them put that game on to make sure it's little
1: Samson. That's where we're at, unfortunately. I got an Evo in last week and it already sold, but the late and this is how bad it's gotten. I'm I'm I'm, I'm distrusting of, of regular like regular like, it, super it, town it, games. It, it, well, regular regulars too. Like it's not, it's not like I distrusted him, but what's Evil even at? hundred and fifty or something. Thereabouts? Yeah. He he, he brought he brought it in, right? And he's a regular, but it just looked, it too, looked too good. good. It looked Look too well, good, and this is the fucking problem. It looks too good, so I get quite. I, get, I, get, I get sketchy, and he, I'm like, "Do you mind if I open it?" And he's like, "No, why?" And I said, "Well, dude, I trust you. You've been a customer here forever." I said, "But this label is really, really nice." And he's like, "Yeah, it is." I said, "At this point, I look at a really good label, and I I get just as scared away from it as I do a almost completely trash label. Like, I just want something that's in between." And I opened it up, and everything seemed to fun. check out, you know. And it, it found a new home like a week later. But yeah. I I, I every game I look at now, I'm like, it's, "That's too it's...
0: clean." Earthbounds. You said that they're. I, I
1: open all my Earthbounds. I open all my uh,
0: like anything that I'm gonna that's gonna go for more than a hundred bucks. I open. I think that's the way you gotta go. Yeah, unfortunately, unless it's some weird game that, there it's it's worth money, but it, it's there's not a lot out of them to begin with. Like Little Samson, there's a decent amount out there. Uh, Flintstone Dice Repeat. There's actually a lot more than you think because a lot of them are come from South America where they or right. they were more common. Uh, but for maybe some other game that wouldn't be worth someone's time to do it, maybe you can trust it then. Like a Sunday Fun Day or something. You yeah. can trust that. But not well, one of these games that are now the high-end games that people are scalping and flipping. I'm going to use that term scalping more and more because scalping is usually illegal and that's what these people are trying to do. But now they're tra- trying to do it with counterfeit. And plus the label is, is, is totally not... I'm not going to point out ways where the label's fake, but other people have. But the labels to a person... That, yeah, you know, I, don't, the I, don't any, I don't want
1: anyone to, to fix it, but I immediately looked at it and I... Let's just say...
0: The hues. I mean, you know, like... It, it's missing It's missing elements on there. It's yeah. missing elements that you're going to miss. These people are downloading... Their sites have really good uh, high-res scans of these games. Mm-hmm. which are, uh, From the boxes or whatever. Yeah. And, and people try to sell them. Uh, re- well, there's, there's a guy that, that sells boxes of games that didn't come out like Super Mario Duck Hunt. That's You know That's fine. It's not legal, sure. but it's fine. Because there was no Super Mario Duck Hunt box that came out back in the day. But you do it for this shit, you're, you're a douchebag. The best part about it, his name on eBay... Quick cash it in. Yeah, I know. I know that was, that was, I that is his that goddamn was... name on eBay. Is that, is that just perfect? Yeah. Can you make that shit out <laughs> of quick cash it in? What a, what an asshole. I really wish that one of these people get popped because, uh, depending on the state, if you steal over a certain amount, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, either it goes from misdemeanor to felony with 700 or $1,000. If someone gets one of these carts for 700 bucks turns out it's fake, you can go to the police. Yeah. You can go to the police. It's counterfeit goods. Right. And if this guy claims he doesn't know it is, that doesn't matter. Right, He's sold Be- it. Because when, you, when it comes to stolen goods, it's uh, possessions, what they say nine-tenths of the law is possession. Yeah. You possess it, you're the one with, cre- uh, with the illegal act at that point. So, fuck off, you motherfuckers, get out of my hobby. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, get the fuck out. It's pretty awful. Get out. All right, moving on. Onwards. Is it Q&A time? I think it's Q&A time. I wanted to fit that in there. We didn't need a retro topic every week. <laughs> So hashtag see you podcast Q and tweeted that before, so we're gonna go r- uh, right into it. This is a very smooth, smooth podcast this week. Yeah, it's like melted butter. It is mm-hmm. not yelling at me for any lulls or looking at anything. I'm very. I was very tired when I met up with met up with you. I'm very energetic now. Must be the Tron flowing through my veins. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right, see you podcast questions, everyone. Uh, any, any good stuff come in the store today, Ian? Nice Nothing setup. good.
1: Lots of, uh, lots of, um, BS. Uh, <laughs> I, I got like 100 Nintendo games and not a single one of them was exciting. I got a magician in.
0: Was there only 100 today?
1: And maybe 75. I don't know. It, it was you a get lot.
0: I need, I need a Tom and Jerry of an empty box for Tom and Jerry. Huh? You have a Tom and Jerry?
1: No. it! Damn it! <laughs> Damn it.
0: <laughs> Damn it. Unfortunately, we can't answer all your questions because we're well. We're getting more and more questions every week, which is good. That means people are are, are talking about it. Spread the word about the See podcast. Leave ratings for, uh, and reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, or you know, it's on YouTube. People Leave ask gifts what, of incense and small denomination coins. Incense? How about some myrrh? You know, some balm. That's basically what myrrh was. Maybe I'll do this. this is right? from Fox Hounder, who writes on the Punk Effect, Oliver. Um, what are your thoughts on the Sega CD? It, I think it has some great games like Sonic CD, Snatcher, and Lunar. You can answer this. I don't much experience with Sega CD.
1: It does. The problem with Sega CD is kind of the same issue that you run into with um, like AES or uh, Turbo Graphics. Is that most of the really good stuff super um, expensive? It is super expensive. Uh, there, there are there are great there are great Sega CD games, but are talking just, they're, we're, they're expensive. Snatcher is expensive. Popful Mail is probably seventy to eighty dollars. The Lunars forty to fifty. Um, and a lot of these, like the Lunars, you can get on other systems. Now I know they're not the exact same games; they changed and tweaked things. But um, yeah, I mean to get into Sega CD for the ten really good games is is a bit pricey because the print runs were like what five
0: thousand or less on a lot of these. They just didn't do many at they didn't, all because yeah. no one. At that point, no one had it or they didn't care. Same right. thing with the Saturn. They weren't producing a lot of those games. At that point, they realized it was a failure. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. like, what's the point? We'll go to another another console. This is from at MPK Sabres. Maybe he's from Buffalo. <laughs> Maybe. Do you guys have any experience with the Atari Jaguar? It always intrigued me, and I found one cheap. Any games recommended beyond Tempest? Tar- um... Uh, Alien vs Predator is is a good one. It's, uh, besides that, you're really scratching it. <laughs> At
1: that yeah. point, you're scratching the barrel. Tempest 2000 is good, and Alien vs Predator is not. The last time I I messed with it, it really wasn't as good how's as I the,
0: remembered it. How's Doom on there? Is probably
1: Doom's on the Jaguar,
0: and if it is, I've never played it. I think it was. It was on the 32X. I don't think it was on the Yeah, 32X. And a little screen on the 32X, right? It was like half
1: screen on the uh, 32X. It, but anyways, if it was on the Jaguar, I never played it. I don't think it was. Um, I mean, there's some interesting weird stuff, like Kasumi Ninja on the Jaguar. Was, is, I have that one. Is a really, really yeah. awful Mortal Kombat clone. I mean, that's fun to play just because it's so bad, but I can't think of anything else that's like a must-play because it's genuinely good.
0: No. Again, one of those things where mostly first-party or crappy third-parties... That no one cared about right. companies. Um, at Stacker Rider, you two ever been to independent wrestling shows live? I have not been. Yes, I've
1: been to uh, two day tournaments. Uh, I think that was PW. I uh, went to a PWG two day tournament up in LA oh, eight years ago. I've gone to a number of Ring of Honor shows. I did. Um, I went to the Dragon Gate shows that they co did with Ring of Honor. Uh, and if you consider it, I think you should. Uh, I went to a number of WCW, ECW shows, and I went to one ECW pay-per-view. Oh, wow. I really lo- I went. What well, you to, were talking. talking? Uh, 98, 99. During the, during the peak? Yeah, I mean, I went to a lot of wrestling shows of all kinds in the late 90s, early 2000s, and the indie ones were fun just
0: because the crowds were so hyped. I should have went when, when I was in college. They had a WCW show. It was like 20 minutes away. I think it was a house show, though. It wasn't televised. I should have went, though. I didn't. Um This is from at Hadhaw. What do you think of Nintendo terminating the Wi Fi service for DS slash DSI and Wii software? I did not know about that. What? Um did you, you ever heard about this? Yeah. I think it's They can do that from the software
1: part or the hardware he's talking about. Did they do that? Already? I, I feel like they wouldn't do it so quick after Pokemon after um well, I guess you could probably... Oh, it's not Wi-Fi. You mean local the cap- trading. They, they turn oh, off the Wi-Fi. Capabilities. Oh, the local... Yeah, the, the local capabilities are there, but they, you, there's just no online for the... Okay. I don't think it's that big of a deal, only because, let's admit it, when was the last time you actually fired up Mario Kart Wii and played online? You know, or, or... I don't think a ton of people were making use of it. Everyone talked about how their Wiis were gathering dust, and now people want to talk about how upset they are that this stuff is being turned off, and that's ridiculous. You... One or the, yeah, one or the other. I So, I don't know. I mean, it seems a little premature, but at the same point in time, I don't think it's something a whole lot of people are going to lament in earnest. Um, What's your views on
0: Xbox One and 360 not being popular in the Japanese market from Geron?
1: Well, here's why... This is why I picked this one and I think it's very interesting. Um, okay, I mean, why why is it not popular in Japan? Well, I think because it it, it wasn't It was an American company. It wasn't super well-known. Sony was entrenched there. And even though Sony's not doing great, I think it was just easy for them to be like, okay, well, you know, we're just gonna go with what we know. Um, What I think is interesting, and I guess I'm not really answering your question, so I'm sorry, is that there is a niche fan base for the, at least, I don't know about the one, but for the 360, there's a very hardcore niche fan base for the 360. Um, All of the major bullet hell shooters for last generation, PS3 and 360, all were on 360. There's almost none on the PS3. They were hmm. all made for the, uh, the the 360. I believe, um, oh, what the hell is it called? Idol Master? I don't think that got a PS3 release. I could be wrong. But basically, there was all these really niche, hardcore games that you would have expected to see on something like a Dreamcast back in the day that got released on the 360. So there was a fan base, but in general it was just because the 360 had a lot of western games, and I just
0: don't think that there was the market for it. This is from at M Mark Varley, at Mr Varley sixty four. What are the differences between challenging and frustrating game difficulty? Okay, uh, challenging difficulty means that it's reliant on your skills as a gamer, whether or not you are prosperous or you fail. Frustrating, it's not. Frustrating is more trial and error to me. It's stuff that you have not a chance to learn beforehand or adapt to. I I, I bring up um, Mega Man. Mega Man. I I like Mega Man for the record, but I just knew to me, this was going to be your... Yeah. Mega Man is more frustrating than challenging because there are parts in the game that if you have not seen before, you will die. Right. I You I w- will die because your skill as a gamer does not matter because you don't know what's coming and you don't know what hazard's coming in order to adapt for it. I that's, feel... That's that's, that's that's probably when people say, why don't you like Mega Man? That's why. I, because to me, it's not natural for a game to automatically kill you before, for you to learn. I don't, I don't like that.
1: I don't feel like... Mega Man is at fault at that or is at fault for that as much as you do, although I do see it. But um that's a Absolutely, a major reason why I think Battletoads is a shitty game, besides a that billion, a billion other reasons. Oh yeah. there are there are levels where literally you have no idea. You can no stand idea. there and watch the block patterns for a minute in Mega Man and try to figure it out. Now, some things like the 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 I'm talking the, about the, the, the death
0: rays I come across. Yeah, you know, you, like you're like what, <laughs> you
1: know? You know, that's a that's quick. That's a little too quick, I would say, for you know being able to do that on the first try with reflexes if you're good. Now, going back to it, oddly, for whatever, it just I think it makes sense. I think bullet hell shooters are an interesting mix. Of the two, because your your skill should be enough to help you guide oh, weave no, your bullets. But, I don't complain with those. But a lot of times, those things release death blooms, and if you haven't seen that death bloom before, yeah, you can still weave because you still have that tiny hitbox. But you still there's there's a there's a ninety percent chance that you're gonna have to learn that.
0: But that is. Uh, the same skill just expanded. Sure. That's the difference. Sure. So you're you're learning how to dodge bullets little by little, but even more.
1: You're not jumping from jumping up and popping the little helmet guys
0: with your buster cannon to
1: falling and trying to falling with death
0: rays and you have if you're not unless you're perfect, you're not getting through it. That's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I brought up I brought up and people always make fun of me for this that I bring up Flintstone's Dinosaur Peak a lot. There is a lot of stuff in Flintstone's Dinosaur Peak that you will die. you just will. I just think it's funny that you brought up Flintstones. I'm going to bring it up every week. I'm bringing up my Flintstones Dinosaur Peak review. Every week. Next question. This is from at Dubious Gaming. Opinions on huge YouTubers like Harley from Epic Mealtime or Dame, D-A-Y-M. I'm not sure I heard of that one, but I have heard of Epic Mealtime. Cashing in on the gaming on YouTube craze. A lot of big YouTubers have done this. Uh, Guys that are comedic in nature... They start gaming channels. You know why? It's easy, and and it's the prime audience. It's that you know, you know, thirteen to twenty four. You know, demo that college they, age that they happened. want. All, they want all, and high schoolers and, and preteens and they want that gaming content. And it's easy to put on a headset, set up your rig, you know, play a three sixty game and talk stupid shit while you're playing Call of Duty or whatever or any new game. That's the easiest content to create. I'm not. I'm truly really not trying to put it down because there is an art form, at least a little bit, to being entertaining while playing games. It's just off the, off the cuff, but unfortunately, it's so saturated with that that to me, doing it is just there's no challenge to it. And now, as quote unquote, as an artist, if I'm trying to call myself that, please hit me with the microphone. That there's a reason why I have never done let's plays, and that's partially why to me, it's not artistically fulfilling. It's just it just isn't. It's I mean and that and that's why with my reviews this isn't going to come a old pat ranting or whatever. But with my reviews, that's why I try to put either humor or storyline in it because honestly, it's not interesting for me just to write reviews. To me, it's 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 actually it's not challenging at all to me to write why a, a, an individual game is good or not. I need something more. That's just me. Other people, if you want to do let's plays, have at it. I, I'm not saying I'm never going to do it. I have an idea in my head to make it interesting. I told you about in the past, but it's. 'll it'll, it'll be fun but the one is that that's why they do it it's easy there's tons of people that are going to consume that content it's easy to cross over into gaming so talk about this is from at Ursa's uh rage talk about where you see retro gaming in 10 years and is there something distinctly collectible about eight slash 16bit versus newer
1: I yes I feel like there is okay in in, in 10 years I see i do at this point i've i've worked in a store that deals with it long enough that yes in 10 years there are going to be ps2 collectors okay there's probably going to be xbox collectors it's going to i don't think to the same extent no i i don't either the big thing is once you hit ps2 and xbox so let's let's use dreamcast as the capper um once you hit ps2 and xbox video gaming explodes as a mainstream pastime sure um Things are produced in much larger runs. There are more games made. There's more shovelware crap. Not that there wasn't any lack of that in the past, but uh, I think it loses its identity as it becomes something. uh, as as It gets that big. That's like that's like someone who collects laser discs and then being like the you know the person who just collects
0: movies. It's just I I don't know. I I see it as just it's different because by that point it's not. It's no longer. You're not really. Involved with "quote unquote" the history of gaming anymore, right? You're not. You, there's no. Once you get to the PS2 Xbox era, there's not a lot of firsts in gaming by no. that point. They all started 16-bit, 8-bit, and before. Uh, the, that's where all the franchises start. Yeah, you're going to have a Halo. Yeah, you're going to have a, a Grand Theft Auto Three. That, but th- th- there, yeah. again, there's. Yeah, you like said there's so many of those produced that the only games that are rare from those systems are like the, either the giveaways, the promo ones, or the ones that were came out near the end of the system where they, they didn't make a lot of them. Like th- oh, those are you really do, the ones. You do have a handful of very niche titles,
1: Atlas release stuff, for instance, age tech stuff, for instance, where it just got small print runs. I, I, I see a lot of people, especially as these, you know, these libraries get larger physically during a systems lifespan. Um, where people aren't going to try to collect everything, they're going to try to collect all of this type of game.
0: Yeah, because I think trying to collect every PS2 game would be annoying, and not that it would cost a lot of money, because most of the games are like $2, but it would just be annoying to try to find some of these really stupid titles, you know, yeah. that, and like, the- what's, what's the point of having, uh, out of the 1,000 PlayStation games, or like 400 are sports games, you know, like what's going to be the point, you yeah. know what
1: I mean? Yeah, it, from, and from a historical or from a, a, a perspective, it it,
0: yeah, just... It's not there. It loses... So charm.
1: There's no charm. There's no
0: charm. There's, there's, there's less charm in optical media, I think, to begin with as well. I think that's part of it. A little bit... Well, I, I think that's... I I mean,
1: I think that's definitely part of it. You look at a lot of collect- the collectors who don't play, and you ask... I mean, I've gotten this response a number of times. You ask collectors who don't play why they collect or why they have them. Oh, they look nice on my shelf. Okay? Sure. A DVD copy of, of Madden 2002 doesn't look nice on your shelf. It looks like something you didn't throw away when no, you were done with college.
0: There's just DVD cases. Yeah, exactly. There's no... There's nothing to it. Favorite favorite retro baseball game? <laughs> because baseball's coming
1: back. Uh, it's always, baseball stars? It's always baseball stars are RBI1 for me.
0: Favorite handheld game device? We've answered that in the past. It's ng NGPC? NG no. Neil's your pocket, can I say that right? That would be mine, And Turbo yes. Express. Uh, <laughs> from from MPK M- M- Sabres again. Will the Retron 5 ever be released? I hope so, because I want one. At this point, I don't care. This is from M Shadow P. Uh, just picked up Bravely Default, and it's great. Though the genre di- thought the genre dead. Are there any great handheld JRPGs I may have missed? That's totally your question. Um, I haven't played Bravely Default
1: yet, but I would say you should probably check out Shimagami Tensei Four. You should probably check out the Devil Survivor series. The Rune Factory series is good. Um, hmm, oh, why can't I think today? That that that's a start. I mean, handhelds are where JRPGs still live. So if you want to play more JRPGs, you have the right system for it. Um, the DS and the three,
0: the DS library is. Chock full of them in the 3DS library. We'll get there. This is from at Nate Wilcox 23. Could it work with all recent Marvel movies existing in the same universe, Avengers style, or do some need their own? Well, I would say before that, some might have need their own. But Guardians of the Galaxy that shows you that you don't. You they can all exist in the same uh, same universe. It's all about the tone of your film. If the tones are different like as with the comics you can fit stuff into one universe. Right. Especially you don't see you're not going to see the punisher in in a guardians of the galaxy comic. You know some nerd is going to tell me that that's happened before. But it shouldn't. That's the whole point. You know right. what I mean? I say nerd that well I'm a comics geek myself. I used to collect. But anyway, uh but that's what it comes down to is tone. If the tone is different they can exist in the same universe. Yeah. And they can come together if it's smart writing. Sure. That's what it comes down to. No, I, I, think I it... wish Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and X-Men were owned by Marvel, so we could see even like cameos would be fantastic. Me too, because I mean, some of my
1: favorite stuff in Avengers comics is you know the side and bit parts that Spider-Man and and yeah. Logan play. Like they're always good for they wise acts. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, it would be fun to see them show up in
0: one of those movies. Um, this is a two-part question. I'll go to the funny one first. That's well, not actually it's not funny. I just thought it, how he. We, well, okay. At DK one one zero five. Any advice on cleaning games beyond alcohol and Q tip? There's really a few things you can get using a, a pencil eraser. That supposedly gets more stuff off than a Q tip, which can work. You just got to make sure you clean it again with rubbing alcohol. Make sure that shit comes off. And then you have a uh, metal polisher. That's your last resort. Your last resort is fine grit sandpaper. You say that. I say metal polisher. It's you're still taking a little bit of you know you're getting yeah. in there a little bit more i mean
1: if, if 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 you've cleaned the shit out of a game and it's still not working you might as well take a little brasso or a little uh you know uh, good. or really, good. really really like fine grade sandpaper and, and you know look visually inspect at this point you can take the cartridge apart visually inspect look for little chips or flakes of rust that just haven't come off like stuff that's stuck on there sand it off shine up the pins clean it again with rubbing alcohol and a q-tip after you that should always be your last step to get everything off sure and try again and if that doesn't work well it's then dead. you've got one of you know one in one thousand actual broken
0: it's carts. Yeah, I had a 1942 cartridge that there could have been fungus aside I, mean, I got there was dirt all on it so yeah my chiller cartridge, well, that, well, that's a chiller. That's freaking, you know, what is it? ACGI game or AGC, I always mix it up. Those were just awful, awfully put together. And so a, the ROM was just dead. I remember good. we turned it on yeah. and it, it, brr, it would just wouldn't work. It, 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 it turned on. When You hit the game start. Yeah. Brr, the ROM was just dead on it. You know, it's, it's your stunt could, could, kids, it could be your it stunt kids, kids. The, the stunt ROM was, kids was wiped. It was yeah. It seemed like there was, was wiped. nothing on there. So again, unlicensed games. Licensed games, though, I've had maybe two or three ever. I probably have had hands on a couple thousand that yeah. you know didn't work.
1: Other oh. people come in and they throw a cartridge at me. And they're like, you sold me a broken game. And I grab just like a dirty Nintendo I haven't even refurbished and put it in. Like, it works.
0: I'm like, it's your Nintendo. Are price tracking tools such as price charting and eBay past sales? Overall, a positive or negative for the hobby? Overall, it's usually negative. Overall. I'm not going to say it's always negative. But when people... This is what happened to to baseball cards in the 90s and comic books. What happens is that um, you see artificial trends up on prices. um, Especially with something like eBay. Because people will see the price. And then that becomes their low basement price they're willing to accept. Right. No one uses it as a... No one uses that as a guide. It's supposed to be a guide because that's a guide. That's not People an exact use it amount. as a
1: pricing guide instead of a what should I be paying for this. Basically, in the hands of a, of a person who's going to buy, they can look at what things have been going for and decide whether or not what they're looking at is, whether or not they even want to pay that price for that item, yes. and if the item in front of them is at least somewhat appropriately priced for the current prices. The problem is, is that information can also fall into... And as a person who, who pri- stickers games, I mean, it, we it, we do it. I mean, it happens. But a game comes in, and you, we use the same information to develop a price, which is why you should always shoot for... If you're pricing and you want to make get your money's worth, you should always go for middle to lower of the road on eBay because that way you're not causing that price to constantly inflate or escalate and that's
0: part of the reason why cards crashed yeah and a little like comics
1: crashed too it's probably like, like, part of the reason like why image... things like like little Samson are going down in price finally
0: um, here's why it's bad or, or when it can be bad um, when you got a Beckett price guide in the 90s when you got a wizard price guide at least, at least Beckett would say straight out say their prices I mean back in early 90s my dad would buy Beckett hockey magazine which had, had articles and it had the prices yeah. in the back of the cards they would say it's based on... They track sales from conventions. They tracked sales, uh, private sales, like like bigger private sales. These, like JJ Games is, is a big one, that they sell games and have the price chart tool, which is so unethical to do that. Yeah. That's a whole other topic how... That's different. That's yes. extremely unethical. People will yell at me, I don't give a shit, that if you are one of the bigger uh, retailers of sold games that you also run... The app that, that's awful. <laughs> I'm not even saying there's any any chicanery going on there. No, but it's just it's that should be separate. Yeah, that should be totally separate. Um, that said, they're not using. They're only taking eBay into account and probably Amazon. They're not going to conventions. They don't have people out there reporting prices. How people report prices of pinballs and arcade machines at, at auctions. They're not doing that. They're not taking into account private sales or sales at game shops, things like that. Why does that matter? Uh, because if you lump that together, that's a
1: more accurate price. Right. When you when you when you focus only on eBay and Amazon, what you find are the people who want the game then and now. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hunt for it, which means that they are naturally, basically, willing to pay more money for it. So even if you're going with lower on eBay or higher, you're getting you're getting you're you're getting the the top chunk of prices. You're not getting, you're not getting
0: what things are trading for, like you said, on convention floors. Or in stores, like you say, a, a game in your shop Might be you might price it more than eBay or sometimes less than eBay, yeah. I often, I mean,
1: because it's a different market, yeah. I I often price my my prices are often not reflective of eBay, they're often below or above, and it just depends on what's more popular, you know. So, yeah, like, like, for instance, a Tecmo Cup soccer game, which is one that I always love to bring up. I don't know what I'd charge for it now because the price has gone, but that is a game that we generally always skew. Much lower than eBay, and a price chart is not taking that. And a price guide is not taking that into a this
0: account. This is a, this is the other thing—the huge fallacy in this way, with, with these automatic price uh, checkers because they they take the sold listings. Sure, that's fine. What if the
1: game's not paid for? They're not following that. Well, and that's a that's a longer conversation about how the media reports on games and games collecting, which when, we brought up with the hundred thousand yeah, dollars in the right was paid for. And was and same that, thing a couple like, of years ago with. With uh, stadium events, I've, these are not confirmed sales. This is just a big number you see next to something online.
0: I've maintained for years that the Panesian games in my head were worth anywhere between three dollars to $400. Just because uh, just because of things I kind of knew, how I always thought there was more out there than what you thought there were. Uh, for loose, for a loose Panesian peekaboo, strip poker, hot slots, or both bad babes. So uh, an auction went off uh, a few weeks ago. I was involved with it. And it went for a certain price. And that person didn't pay for it. So the second chance offer came to me. I didn't pay for it either. Which means two things. It went for a lot lower than the reported price. Either in a private sale off eBay. Or it was relisted. But you go on these price charting websites. It's still there. Right. It's there as that's what it sold for. And that's affecting the price. And that's obviously false. And by the way, the price it went for was about what I thought it's actually worth. Because it wasn't a buy and it wasn't an auction. And that's all in the conversation too. So again... It's it's troublesome. I see why they exist. It, it it's good for some people that they, they exist. It's handy information. Yes. It's just it's just how it's used. Yes, it's how it's used because now um, you have people that'll price it in front of your face at conventions. They'll price it using that uh, eBay sold. I don't have as big a problem with eBay sold as long as people as long as, if they wait the auctions a little bit more versus the buy it nows. That would be nice. Which but again, that's not done.
1: That's generally what we do. We, if
0: there was an algorithm that would wait, say. Seventy percent auction versus thirty percent buy it now, or, you know, or something like that. Yeah, that and, and would take out the extremes, especially in the buy it now high extremes. Take those out as outliers because there's always shenanigans with that anyway, with people doing that and not paying, trying to corner the market, whatever else. So that's what I'm saying about it. So th- there you have it, my long winded answer to that. A Few more questions. <laughs> this is from at Geek Things Podcast. This is a this is a silly one. We'll answer it. What effect do you think? current social media would have would have on gaming if it was around back in NES days, for example. That's interesting. I think the more obscure titles would get more press from people saying, wow, you know, Eliminator Boat Duel, it's misspelled, but that's a great game. LOL, you know, go pick it up. Actually, I think,
1: I, I kind of have a serious answer to that. Um, I think a lot of the mystery and fun from a lot of the older games would be gone based on the instant, like exchange of knowledge like okay i see what you're uh, doing. Like, like, like 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 even things like warp zones or you know maps for zelda castles like you know it, when you all have it there you, you don't have to write any you don't have to draw any maps you don't have to swap tips or tricks with your friends nintendo power um, be obsolete right I, I, one of the things that actually kills gaming the most for me now is just people constantly talking about games on twitter and that's fine I, that sounds so wrong but it was like pokemon x and y came out right Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed playing it and everyone's talking about the absolute optimum, you know, team builds and this is where you find everything and this and that and I just had to step back because it's not fun for me anymore with wait, social media has really taken a lot of the discovery out of video games, and I play video games for that. That's what got me interested in them, and to this day, that's what I like about them. Is I need that something to keep me going. If I know everything going into a game because of Twitter feeds and Facebook, I suddenly lose all interest to play the game that I that I bought. And some people will tell you in this day and age to get over it, and I, I to a degree, I, I kind of agree. Like well, maybe I, maybe I do have to uh, get over it if stop I want to enjoy some again. People but, then. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's just like I I, I do
0: miss the. I don't know, the discovery of, you know, uh, an old RPG. But I would have known that games were on the system that I never knew. That's the other thing, too. Sure. Because with such a huge library... Well, Yeah, there's
1: positives. You know, a game like Little Samson might not go for as much because people would have bought more of it, and, you know, it would have been more widespread. Maybe they would have produced more of it, or, like, Panic Restaurant. they would have made more, you know, if it was a good game. So, I mean, there's definitely positives and negatives to both. I think Nintendo was dying out by then, but it's it's a fun question to think about i can't it. necessarily even blame i mean i work around video games all day so i just burn out on games from that too. sure
0: this is from at so dawson we were talking about this last week with one of the games this is how i'm going to answer it are there any arcade games which you prefer the console port over the original arcade version contra
1: contra yeah that's, contra
0: that's... Is a, contra to me is a near perfect game
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and the arcade game has lots of problems yeah it does the arcade it's, game is not so much it's fun. not smooth um, the jumping's weird it's just um the the, the way the um the aspect ratio is you can't see a huge amount on the screen. Yeah, the time. Not, yeah, that's you that's, see, that's you the see worst. like this much on the screen. You're like, oh, okay. It's funny because contra on the you can't easily tell what the weapon power ups are because
1: they're all symbols. Contra in the arcade uh, almost seemed like it was more the like, more designed for the upward jumping waterfall stage, and then any of the going yeah, into it the screen one, it was stages. one of those vertical monitors. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I can't remember if it was out of aspect well anyways it was, yeah it was yeah. just it, all the side scrolling levels play like crap in the arcade version
0: it's just the controls aren't as smooth yeah I'm trying to think of any, anything else off the top of my head where where the console port was was good how about Mappy is Mappy better no <laughs> Mappy
1: Mappy is Mappy it's
0: good That Gamer Going great, David who's helping out with video gaming here, is editing hey David Yay! have you ever had a fanboy mo- moment meeting a celebrity or internet personality I had one but, but it wasn't the first time I met him uh, Howard Phillips at Classic Gaming Expo uh, 2012. First time I met him, first couple times, I met him. Howard, nice to meet you. I grew up, you know, Just you have to put that in because, you know. And then I got him on Video Game Years. The uh, reason you see Howard Phillips on Video Game Years is because I asked him and told him about the show and got him set up and scheduled. And then the next day, I said, oh my god, I talked to Howard Phillips, the guy I'd read about in, every month, and he was in Howard Nestor, Esther. And he was the face of Nintendo for like five years. You know, and so then the next day, I got my my uh, duck hunt Jeremiah Karts, went up. and said, i Mr. F- Mr. Phillips." I don't usually do this, and that's when I turned into a fanboy. The only time, really, I think ever, and I said, please sign it for me. I'd be very grateful. I like, oh, thanks. He was cool about it, but that was the only time I ever turned into a, a fanboy. um, was, was that? I don't fanboy. I mean, I, I fanboy out when I see
1: people, uh, you know, that I, celebrities or musicians. It happens with musicians. I, I generally don't approach them just because I try to think of it from their perspective. And a lot of them are probably way better at handling that stuff than I ever would be. But I, it's just it's strange and, and there are there have been a couple of times where i've approached say musicians because the, the the music i listen to it's it's not unknown but you know it's, it's it's filling venues like the casbah like san diego's premier like you know independent music venue you know smaller areas and like i'll walk up and i'll go to shake like for instance i saw Com trues this past weekend and i was walking back from getting a beer and he's just Leaning up against the wall
0: You say Tom Cruise?
1: Tom (laughs) Cruise Okay (laughs) Just leaning up against the wall You know Checking his phone And I just walked up I said you know Thanks for your most recent album It's really good I liked it a lot And I shook his hand And I started to stutter And like I tried to like Throw in another sentence Like you you know Ah. You never cut it short And he just looked at me And he laughed And he was like Man it's all good We're all just chilling And I said I'm out of here. Right. Just, you, <laughs> just, you, you pulled the parachute, Cory. <laughs> it was like, I'm it. Out.
0: <laughs>
1: but yeah, you could tell I was like stumbling, like, which is funny too when you think about. Because I'm a fucking 31 year old man, and I still <laughs> you know get kind of excited when I see these musicians who, in all honesty, are probably my age or getting
0: to be younger. This is from Aiden, who helps out and contributes to the Punk Effect at Roland. That's right, his name, I always forget his name's Aiden roll and the Eagles by both. Uh, do you have much experience with retro duos and similar repro consoles? Go! Have their compobili- compatibility problems been getting better? Um,
1: I think the compatibility problems aren't something they're really working on anymore. Because they sell well regardless. Um, so the ones that I have had some experience with... Uh, I think the FC Twin. Once you get rid of their crappy Super Nintendo controllers and use real ones... Is a really good option for a clone system. I think the Retro Duo sucks, and I think the uh, Hyperkin um, Retron Three. I we sell it. I always we warranty it. I always give everyone a a heads up, and it's not like every single one is broken, but they just something about the Hyperkin Retron Three, and this is why I'm nervous about the Retron Five. Nothing about Hyperkin's build quality has ever instilled a whole shitload of confidence really? in me. Yeah, okay, never has. So, um, yeah, I mean, Clones are always gonna have their issues with sound emulation and no 100% compatibility, but I think the FC Twin's a pretty good one.
0: We've That's sold that for like six years, well, very little problems. Retron Five, they're, they're aiming for close to 100% compatibility. So, God bless them with all these delays. Hopefully, I think I think they're looking at it as their big killer machine. So, hopefully, they get their shit together with that. Um, this is from at Foggy Fresh. Hi guys! Do People tell you you look like any celebrities. I think Pat kind of looks like Fred Savage from The Wizard. I I, I don't see that, but I I used to get uh what, Billy Joe from Green Day. I got George Clooney when I was in high school. People said I looked like that, and then um, I could see Fred Savage and Billy Joe. Fred Savage doesn't look like Billy Joe. I don't have to.
1: <laughs> um, I used to get when I when I had long hair like down to here. Oh, that sounds horrible. People used to say I looked like Andy Dick. And then when <laughs> I my hair, I don't
0: want to picture long hair that's like the worst.
1: And then when I had shorter ah! when I had shorter hair and I used to dye it black all the time, people said I looked like uh, whatever the guys who played Harry Potter. That was the most common one. I, there were multiple homeless people oh. in Ocean Beach who called me Harry
0: when I walked by. And, and John in Knoxville, I, I I get sometimes hmm. closer than Fred Fred Savage. Um, I've got a pinball question from Adam the Gamer. What are your favorite pinball designs designers? Uh, designers probably,
1: I think Borg's been doing some pretty good stuff. Um, I want to say Richie because I like firepower and I like AC DC, but really Terminator two just doesn't really do it for me. Um, Python Angelo or Barry, Barry Orsler. Sorry. I don't think uh, Orsler would be the one. I like some of Orsler's eighties stuff. Um, and I know I'm forgetting someone. Whoever, whoever the crap designed, uh, But I would say, like, Orsler, Richie here and there, and, and I like a lot of Borg's modern designs.
0: Okay, this is from at uh, Blair, F-Y-S Blair, what do, you, what do you think of Buff Bag Buff Bagwell as an escort? Ian, will you hire him for your bachelor party? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he's buff, he's stuff, and the girls can't get enough buff is the stuff <laughs> he was always um, awful what do I think about I like it his hat with his head on it that was his, I that think was it's the
1: most fucking logical end to that man's like career that there ever could have been like it, it just makes sense yeah, sure. that, that's essentially what he played was a slimy gigolo in
0: the WCW yeah, basically remember when his mom was involved in the storylines
1: remember all sorts of things remember when he was on, yeah. yeah
0: remember when he was on Raw with Booker T the one time he was on Raw and he had an awful match because he was a terrible, terrible he, he wrestler It
1: was, was an awful worker
0: um this is a good way to segue out. Oh, this is from at, at Ginger Gamer. This is kind of related to the other question. If you can go back in time and destroy smartphones to help reset the resale market and make it fair again, would you? I I think that had only a small part to do with it, the smartphones. Because people would just... Back in 2006, when I saw the guy used to come to my flea market that used to be no resellers, he would just come and buy stuff. He wasn't looking at, looking at his phone. He, just, he was just looking on eBay beforehand and coming to buy. You know, he was just buying all the Zeldas, all the... Mike Tyson's punch-outs, and then, all, then then when he bought the reason why I hate him is because when he bought the fucking TurboGraphic CD system. What does this with, have to do with, with smartphones? With the 3.0 system card, <laughs> and they bought like 30 games with it, with mostly CD games, and didn't know what they were, and that was the first real reseller I had an encounter with that that really that yeah. All right, I'm right. going back. I'm going back to Jersey. Bring it around. Uh, yeah, so, smartphones. Uh, no, they're fine. They they help you go on Twitter and stuff.
1: I. I, I fell into the trap with smartphones about two years ago, and yeah, I would so go me. back in time and... De- two and a half years ago, not even I, I would go back in time and destroy them. I fucking hate what they've done to people. To you? I hate... Well, not even so much me, but check I hate... Like, the farmer's market was today, and I'm trying to go walk to the bank so I can deposit my check mm. with the... You know, I close up the store, and it's a farmer's market, and I just keep bumping into fuckers. It's, I mean, it's crowded to begin with, but then well, no
0: one's looking where they're fucking going. They want to see how much melons are going for on eBay, so they're checking. <sighs> yeah, more and more people are dying. Not even in their cars texting, which is idiotic. But people like walking in, like into the street yeah. and getting hit by cars, dying. or or falling into ma- open manholes because they're on the phone. Eh, it's awful. Darwin, let, let him deal with it. Final question from Helen, 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 our friend Helen at Gara of My Desert. Hey Pat, what can we expect from upcoming NES Punk episodes? Looking forward to them as always. Well, thank you, Helen, for that timely question, <laughs> because I am going to be filming. Ow! <laughs> Did you hit your head. Yeah. Good. Don't laugh at me. Uh, I'm actually writing um, the next two episodes and shooting them back to back relatively soon, which I've never done before. It's been a little over two months since the last episode, which was the Christmas episode, Graphics with Denise. Um, so basically, I'm going to be shooting those, putting those out, hopefully both in March. New Flea Market Madness in March. Yippee! Hooray! And then also, I'll be working on a new kind of series. And then on the side, though, I've been doing a writing project, which you'll hear about later in the year. That's why I'm writing mostly with that. And then um, also, I've been helping with video game years. We just shot uh, 1984. We, we did the 85-86 and list, and I'm helping, we're both helping produce that show and get them out quicker and faster to you, the viewer, we the at home.
1: the aces of VGY.
0: And then, the aces of... We're the aces of VGY. We're, we've been every segment except for one. Yeah. <laughs> Don Con Jr., for some reason, we said, screw it, we're not filming that one. I don't know why we did that, but we've been every segment in the Anchor. We are the heart and soul of video game years. I will say that. <laughs> we try. We, we we try. We do. Um, so, yeah, you'll see the NES Punk return in March with at least one episode. Fleet Market Manus will come back. And then I'll probably do an Ask Frank. I do an Ask Frank every two months, and the last one was January 15th. So, yeah, it's going to be a busy March. And then I might be going back to the East Coast for a project in April. So... Stay tuned for that. So that's what's going on. So, I think that's about it. This has been a great, you know, great to you podcast. It's been fun. As always. Let's let's close this properly. We'll see you in two weeks. We will see you back live on the 12th. Excuse me, on the 19th of March. Or the 20th uh, on YouTube, YouTube, on Stitcher, and iTunes. So, any, any last words, anything you want to promote? Hmm. No. Lunavideogames.com If you live near a
1: baron's market they have really good watermelon licorice I highly recommend that I
0: mean for you to promote for you nothing I'm just going to promote some licorice (laughs) I'm going to promote my DVD Uh, Volume 3 is on Amazon What the fuck do I have to promote? I don't know your your pins that you're going to be making Uh, Amazon.com search for Pat the Punk Volume 1 and 2 and Volume 3 are for sale and they're on Ebay Uh, The wristbands will be for sale. Hopefully, I'll get off my ass for next week because I have so many at the sale. So, wristbands coming soon. I cannot sell the wristbands on eBay because there's no ISBN on them. They don't allow it on eBay. uh, Excuse me, on Amazon, they don't allow it because there's, there's no UPC. But they'll be on eBay. I know all you people love that. So, we're signing off. For Ian Per... For what? What's your name? For Ian Ferguson. What? what, what? Ian Pelican? <laughs> for Ian Ferguson. I did so well without flubbing any lines. Any lines. Now I'm all screwed up because I'm tired and it's late. I need a taco. Right, for toodles. Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. We're signing out. Have a happy day and a pleasant tomorrow. Oh, and we're going to we're gonna be on March 15th, Saturday night, uh, in honor of Justin Carmichael, uh... Retro TV is setting up a live stream in support of a charity yet to be named. Probably going to be a suicide prevention sort of charity. We'll be live streaming uh, later on Saturday night. I think it begins 9 p.m. Pacific, and it's going to go for two hours on Saturday. We have the 9 to 11 March spot. 15th. We'll be playing, you know, probably some Nintendo games, maybe Super Nintendo. You know, we, don't, we, usually, we usually just do NES Marathon. Maybe we'll do Super Nintendo or Genesis or something. It'll be fun. Turbo. You want to do Turbo? I do. Maybe we'll do Turbo. That could be fun. Uh, so we're gonna sign off. Have a pleasant evening, everybody! Bye. Bye!